Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, everybody, go check out our partners at Mignolaverse.com. This week, they have an article on Krampusnacht, Panic on the Streets of Austria by listener feedback contributor Tom Hardman. They also have a video review of the Hellboy Winter Special 2016, so go check out all their awesome Hellboy and BPRD-related content. Go over to Mike Mignola's art Facebook page to check out the raffle. There's this awesome raffle that I talked about last week that's going on till the end of the month, a very buff raffle. And I was going to ask you guys, so out of all those awesome prizes, what would you be more, most excited to win? Oh, I mean, I can't even. They're all they're all such generous contributions. I think that it's just really exciting that so many people want to be a part of that. But is there one that you'd be like, oh, I want that? I mean... Honestly, probably the next men and the graded one because oh, that's wow. so hard to find. The next men twenty one graded, yeah. yeah, that would be a good one. I mean, who doesn't want a original art by some of your favorite artists? Right, there's a Mike Mignola original, original yeah. sketch. There's a James Heron original sketch. Yeah. What I would be most excited about is the sketch of your choice from Lawrence Campbell. That is pretty cool. He'll draw any character. So I've been thinking about who that a lot. You... I'm just like, oh my god. So I, I want to say that I would pick somebody interesting like Vivara or maybe Abe, but I would probably pick Hellboy. I would pr- I have a really great Beast of the Apocalypse James Heron oh, Hellboy, yeah, yeah. and I would love to get a Lawrence Campbell Beast of Apocalypse version of Hellboy. Right. So about anyway. Liz or Hecate or something. Yeah, see that would be a very that would be a really uh, out of the box or kind of more interesting but like in the in the moment I would be like, "Oh, I don't know, draw Hellboy." <laughs> <laughs> so go check out the raffle. The tickets are only $5 a piece. There's no limit on how many times you can enter and it's open till the end of the month. Hop over to Mike Manilla's art Facebook page and check out all those awesome prizes. Thank you again to Craig McKnight and everybody who donated. Hey, Danielle, so we haven't done this in a while. I thought you could talk about what we do on the show. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's the Hellboy Book Club. We talk about a story that we read. Last, We talk about a story that we read, and then we're going to tell you what you're going to read next week, and then everyone's going online. You're you're giving comments on the Facebook, on the Instagram, and the email, and you talk about what we just talked about. And then the next time... We talk about what you talked about, and we're talking about what you're talking about, and then it's a it's a club. You read a book, and you talk about the book, and your friendship, and it's about being your friend, and, and Hellboy. Back to you, John. Great. <laughs> Thank you for that. And we're going to get into some listener feedback. Add Edgar underscore Iosa on Twitter said, just want to say thanks, guys. I'm now a big fan of your podcast. Keep up the awesome content. Love from Mexico. And if in the future, when Mexico folklore makes an appearance on Hellboy, if there's any questions, I'd be glad to contribute to this amazing show. Oh, great. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so thanks a lot, Edgar Wonderful. Lopez. We also heard from Victoria at TKP Productions DA on Twitter said, I look forward to seeing more of your content. It's always great to see such lovely enthusiasm for the amazing storytelling of Mike Mignola and the great series of Hellboy. And I also want to thank Stonecutter Cam on Instagram for reposting our show and telling all his friends to subscribe and rate us. He wrote me a really nice message. I can't thank you enough for putting in the hard work for this podcast book club, all three of you. I'm semi-new, but you and the crew have me cracking up at times and near tears at others. Thank you for taking me down memory lane and re-engaging me into the folklore told by Mignola and friends. Long live Mignola. Stonecutter Cam, and that's a Simpsons reference from the Stonecutter. Yeah. 
Thank you. Those are very kind words. And uh, I talked about this a little bit last week, but yes, please give us some rates and reviews. If you're listening to us on iOS, you can open up your podcast app and find our logo, and you can click on that and write us a review. We actually got a new review this week. We got a review on iTunes, five stars from Matt Strackbean. He said, listening to these guys talk about Hellboy comics after reading them for the first time reminds me of my own original experiences as a longtime reader. The podcasters have similar thoughts and make the same discoveries and connections I did, which makes it both fun to listen to and relatable. They also inevitably begin to catalog various scenes and situations into a working knowledge or history of events that informs their future reading experiences. The Hellboy universe allows for new realizations about past events upon discovery, whether minor or major, and this podcast captures that reading aspect perfectly. Thank you so much for the review, and so please um, hop on over and give us a review on iTunes or on um, whatever podcast service you're using. It's a much more thoughtful and in-depth summary than, than <laughs> what I came up with, I think. Uh, I like. I still like yours, too. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from All Joshua right. Worley. Joshua said, I'm listening to episode 18. That's where we talked about the Black Flame. When Danielle goes into her Professor O'Donnell rant about reality and the perception of said reality, I felt like I was sliding back into my days of obsessions with Grant Morrison's The Invisibles and The Filth. Warren Ellis and John Cassidy's Planetary, too, so please never stop going down those rabbit holes. It prompted me to go back and pull those graphic novels from my shelves. Oh, cool. Also, hearing you call Mr. Pope a Nazi weenie was priceless. <laughs> and I believe my daughter now thinks I'm a complete madman because of my reaction to the comment. FYI, hot coffee coming out of your nose because of laughter isn't as much fun as one might think. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Regarding the Universal Machine, Kate Corrigan proves that she's the greatest. No doubt it. Do not fuck with her. As the series continues on, she proves time and time again she's one of the most wonderful characters to be created in the universe. Also, she's one of the first fiction characters I think I fell in love with. The introduction of Darrow in this mini is part of what makes this series wonderful. This odd little sad story is perfect, and to top it all off, we get Mignola at the end with the best possible ending for Roger. For a comic book to invoke real emotions that reaches you on a personal level is a rare and precious thing, and even fewer artists and writers know how to do it. Looking back on it now, on my seventh read-through, I'm starting to realize how much I took for granted when I was gained it monthly. Like John said, you're ravenous for the next issue or the next mini. Not many things in today's market match the type of quality we see through the first four arcs of BPRD, Mm. and nothing really hits that note like Hellboy. Finally, I'd like to echo Aubrey's love for East of West, and he wanted to know what you thought of um, number 40. Are you that far in? Oh, I'm actually not. I'm not at issue 40 yet. I'm only at about issue 20. Okay. He'll let you know, though. But yeah, uh, when you get there, let, let Joshua know. In, in reference to that, hey, damn guys, we just got like, I, I that kind of world building cannot be faked. Yeah. That's something that can't be rushed. It can't be. And you see that a lot with people who are just like, I'm, I want to, what I want is to make a best-selling thing that makes me rich oh, or yeah. <laughs> famous, and it, I'm going to make these very hollow cardboard characters. This one is that guy, and this one is that one, and then yeah. you've got this one, and it's it comes across as very, very fucking fake and very obviously just, like, all candy and right. no substance, and it's... Yeah. It's it's a very real the Hellboy BPRD stuff is it's it's it is very you can tell that it comes from a very right. sincere place yeah so yeah and then a movie producer comes along and says I'm gonna make a movie oh, of that crap man. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we've been reading all these stories here and there. And then when we were reading Garden of Souls last week, it's like it's referencing everything all at once. It's referencing stuff that happened in Hollow Earth, stuff that happened in the dead. And you're, it kind of really, yeah, yeah. it builds into a nice, uh, well, nice working knowledge. I can't blame people for wanting to, you know, uh, with the movies and stuff, that seems like a good way to, to um, reach a broader audience and maybe get them involved. Well, oh, well, I've seen the movie. Now I want to go back and read the books. And I think that's that's actually could be a point of exposure. Yeah. It also makes money. That's true. But, I mean, if you are a, a team of creators who have created something that's genuinely awesome... Why not get paid for it too? And I think that that's fine. I that's totally fine. But at the center of it is something genuine yeah. and and something very real and something very good. And that cannot be faked. And that can't be, you know, fucked with. And so that's that's something that yeah, make as many movies as you want. I think that's fine. I'll see them. I mean, yeah. that's fine. You know. Well, it also helps to make you know, help make better movies if the uh, foundation from which you're you're making the oh, movies yeah. right. is totally. already solid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of our listeners have said that they were turned on by the movie, uh, yeah, and exactly. then they went back and you Same know, here. and you, I think that that's yeah. a that's a beautiful thing. You, you know, reach it such more a people. wide yeah. audience with that kind of publicity and that kind of marketing, and it's you go see the movie. Oh, Hellboy, that's cool. I want to. What? Where is this from? It's from a comic. Oh, let me check that out. Yeah. So that's. I think that's great. I think that's fine. But um, but yeah, at the heart of it is something very sincere. Yeah, I love the I love this whole universe, and I think we're just getting to see more and more of it. It's really nice. Well, the thing we're about to talk about right now is fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So excited. It really builds on a lot, too. And we got another Hey You Damn Guys, an awesome letter from Matt Strackbean. He also wrote us that review this week. Oh, awesome. So, Matt Strackbean, I can't talk about this too much, but like... He starts off, he was the guy that was saying kill the black flame every week in the letter column. Oh, yeah. And then he went on to be able to actually participate in the comic a little bit, which is really cool. And he wrote me a really cool letter. He offered to share his experience as a fan, comics creator, and how he got the opportunity to contribute backup stories to Hellboy books. Wow. He managed to track down a piece that he wrote at the time for a blog. The article is called A Dream Come True. Matt says, I don't want this to sound arrogant or like I'm bragging about it. I just think my accountant could be interesting because it helps illustrate how unique the comics industry can be when it comes to creator fan base relationships. Yeah. And I can't read the entire piece because it's super spoilery, so we'll come back to it when we get to the actual pieces that he did for the book later, but I can read a little bit from the article. At the time when BPRD, the Black Flame series, was on the new release rack, there was a comic shop in walking distance from my home. My wife and I were walking our dog there when we were verbally accosted by a drunken man on the street. He followed us into the shop and there was nearly a physical altercation, but fortunately the cops showed up and took care of him. Afterwards, I went on to buy my comics and as it turned out, that was the day I learned Roger had been killed. It was that issue. Devastated, I went home and wrote a letter to the editor about the entire incident and how disappointed I was to read of Roger's death. That letter, along with another letter I'd written previously, were both published in one of the Hellboy Macoma issues back to back. After that, due to my now documented experience with the drunk and having two letters printed at once, I had a small reputation, at least at the local comic shop, for being a letter hack. 
I went on to have several letters published in Dark Horse's Conan series and Hellboy, as well as the spinoff titles, and other comics by other publishers. Last time I organized my collection, years ago, I took time to count the number of letters and it was over a hundred across all the letter columns I ever appeared in. Over time, I developed a reputation for not only my love of Roger, but also for my hatred of the Black Flame. <laughs> editors and assistant editors would sometimes comment on my behalf when I didn't have a letter in print. So this eventually leads Matt to gain in contact with Scott Alley, wow. and then the rest of that we'll talk about later. Sure. Oh, wow. But um, thanks so much, Matt. I really enjoy your stuff, and give him a follow at the Letter Hack on Twitter. He's been really nice to us. That's excellent. Thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah, and he's really funny. I just really enjoy his work. I can't wait till we can talk about it. You guys are going to yeah. crack up at some of the stuff that he does. To be continued. <laughs> Regarding last week's show, Drew Campbell said, don't worry, Danielle, I got that Raspberry Beret joke right <laughs> off the bat. Oh, man. <laughs> and Kevin Alford said, I wonder if Liz bought that beret new or... The kind you find in a secondhand store. <laughs> I felt so stupid when I was editing it. I was like, man, that joke just flew right over my head. I just say something <laughs> to be stupid fair, to and be I'm fair, just like, God, I'm not, so dense. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not funny, so... <laughs> Everybody liked Aubrey's sketch. We didn't talk about that last week. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Okay, so two of the coolest people in the world uh. that I know, uh, you might have met them. Have you met John? Have you met Danielle? Uh-huh. <laughs> Got me this really awesome birthday present, and then because the U.S. post office sucks, it took forever. Well, to I show ordered up. it, and I I thought because I I ordered yeah. one for John, and I was like, hey, um, Doug for Grado, by the way is the nicest dude. Oh, so he's nice. very nice. I was like, hey, this is for John's birthday. You know, I was wondering like you could write a little happy birthday or something in there or to John for John or something just really quick. He did this beautiful sketch for him, and I was like, oh man, I wonder if I could get him to send Aubrey a sketchbook too and John got his within three days so I figured oh Aubrey's will come I think it was like a week or a week and a half yeah, well, yeah. but it was quick it was quick yeah. and so anyway I, I was like oh you'll get this really quick and it came like what a it month took a later month, yeah. it came on the last day of November but it was mailed on the 7th yeah well uh, yeah Duncan right, Fergredo yeah. is but, you know I think yeah, the so holiday mail service probably has something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. So I've been coming home like every day and looking for it and especially on the rainy days worried about it. Uh, but then like I came home one night and then I came in and then uh, come in and set my stuff down and Kathy had set it down for me and I was like, oh my God, I know what this is. Well, I was expecting him to be like, oh, for Aubrey or something. But man, he, the sketch that he oh my gave God. me was oh, so incredible. beautiful. Really nice. So when I opened it up and I saw that, I was just like. Holy crap. It looks yeah. so gorgeous. In the I, words I, of Hellboy. I, sh- I showed it to Kathy, and then I took a picture and sent it to you guys. What a nice uh, guy. Seriously. Man, but th- that that sketch was beautiful. And then um, Jerry uh, Turnbull colored it. He did a very nice colored version of it. We oh, haven't man. posted that. He just uh, sent oh, it to should, me. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I'll, I'll post the, the I, uh, two of them side really by gorgeous. side. Well, I, uh, really nice. I think I want to use it as my um, Facebook banner. You oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And on Twitter, Duncan was really glad that you liked it, too. Oh, he yeah. responded on Twitter. He said, glad you liked it. Aww. Oh, man. Yeah, that was man. pretty awesome. And then, I mean, wow. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's 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 an amazing sketch. Yeah, it's posted on our social media. You can check that out. It was, like, breathtaking, seriously. Yeah, the and amount then of I, detail. I'm surprised at the level of interaction that this podcast has afforded us with our, some of our favorite artists in the world. Oh, yeah. Really amazing. Yeah. And they are just the nicest people, and they're so generous with their time. So just, yeah, like, thank you so much for that. Yeah. yeah, That's really nice. So, uh, Fergato, if you're out there, thank you again. 
Yes, and, and uh, Jerry, thank you for coloring it. It looks really sweet. Yeah, and definitely go order some of his stuff. He's yes. got a great online store, and um, the sketchbooks usually come with a sketch inside. So hey, not that we expect it, but we are grateful yes. for it, and we appreciate you taking the time to do that for sure. It's very nice. Some feedback on Garden of Souls, which we discussed last week when I posted the teaser. Nathaniel Green said, any chance of you walking around having normal conversations is going to be gone after you read Garden of Souls. I'm so happy for you. And Letters and Numbers said, the cover for issue three is so cool. I love the design of the life-sustaining scuba S suits. And the cover for issue three, that's the one you and Aubrey were talking about, where it had like the fish head and the bird and all that. Yeah. At Gary Dowell said... Bit of trivia in regards to Garden of Souls, Arch Stanton was the name of the bogus grave in the climax of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Make of that what you will. Mm -hmm. Hashtag movie nerdery. So that's the name that's on Roger's gravestone. And Jerry, I think, had also posted that on our Facebook page. So Yeah, I can't believe I missed that detail. But yeah, that's a reference to The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Eventually, I'm going to watch that movie. Yeah. (laughs) Jen Niklas said, regarding Johan... Damn it, Danielle always levers me out with her insights. Because he was saying how much Johan was a creep for sharing that story, but then you were saying that it was very telling of how he's willing to, Yeah, you know. He says, um, those are good points. Still unfitting in a group session where everyone tries to relate to each other. Garden of Souls, I want to hear a summary of this story to somebody who doesn't know anything about the Hellboy verse. <laughs> it has to go something like this. Look, man, it's about the fish monster of the Black Lagoon, and he's an agent, and he's all emo, and he travels to Indonesia with Asian-American Scarface to learn about his past, okay? And in Indonesia, emo fishman finds old people in Victorian power armor, and they, the old people, create big naked Aryan super bodies to absorb wow. millions of souls yeah. because giant bugs will destroy the world. And the fishman is like, screw that noise, and he gets a walking cane, and he beats them up like a boss. Oh, and there's also a sassy mummy lady that can mind control. Now you want the whole collection? Sold. Sassy mummy lady. Great. Seriously, I just love this book. The story is incredibly weird, even for BPRD standards, and the art is lovely. I love the steampunk's aesthetics of the bad guys, and I love the whole O.N. society. They're just so friendly and polite and cordial with each other. Oh, yeah, we start the apocalypse tomorrow. Let us have this pleasant talk at tea first. (laughs) Haven't heard anything from you in ages. Any good books lately? I'm afraid I've got stuck with this picture of Dorian Gray for the 200th time. (laughs) (laughs) That was, you, a, that was a masterful summary, by the way. Of the, <laughs> we should get, again, another person who might be better at giving a summary of the show. Oh, man, I love that. It sounds like something that you would hear a uh, somebody pitch to a movie producer. Sure. Right, yeah. So, the fish monster. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Emo fish man. And the friendly dynamics between Damio and Abe and Liz and Kate were indeed lovely. They all become friends. This was Friendship the Book, and the lesson at the end is they are not your friends if they try to kill millions of people. That's just impolite. (laughs) And why does Abe never use that cane again? Forget the right hand of doom. The cane is the real weapon of the mass destruction Ah. in the Hellboy verse. But I think Aubrey is right that the BPRD was always official, but it was so niche. Because remember, we talked about the press conference. Only America acknowledges that they're a real agency, and not only a crazy pastor and stoner arguing about esoteric stuff. Hear you next week. So thanks so much, Jen. That was a great great comment. Mark Tweedell said, on the topic of Abe's rather myopic view of the past, this is a big thing with Abe. He wants to be human, and he wants to be normal, so he follows those leads and ignores others. He lies to himself frequently, telling himself he seeks truth while burying his head in the sand. Some part of him knows that if he investigates the jellyfish apparition, he'll discover the truth. So he'll follow any lead but that. 
oh man, you're getting to the Dagon and Owen stuff. Excellent. And Ross Radke said, it's hard not to comment on the BPRD cast at this point without spoiling later character developments. Mm. It reminds me of moments in the TV show Lost where I was afraid the writers <laughs> didn't understand their own characters. Yeah. But I think Arcudi mostly did write by them. I'm mostly referring to Abe and Johan, who remind me a bit of Locke and Charlie. I want them to come through oh. for the team, but they are just acting too darn weird at this point. Well, unlike Lost, I can tell that things are actually going somewhere. Right. <laughs> so that's one big difference. Well, I actually really liked Lost, and I make a comparison to this to this series and Lost a lot. Because it I was think, good until the ending. I think that they set it up in a way that, yeah, I just think it didn't have the payoff. But this stuff just keeps paying off yeah, over yes, and over that's every my point. That episode. That is exactly yeah. what I'm saying. I actually liked Lost, and I was oh. okay with the ending. But oh. uh, their problem, they just seemed to write too many ideas without any ideas of resolution. And then yeah. just said, fuck it, you, we'll forget yeah. about you, Walt. The story's fucking worthless <laughs> if there's no resolution. <laughs> That was good, Aubrey. Um, when I uh, when I posted about the the real mummy unrolling parties yeah. that they had, mm-hmm. Tom Hardman said, "You have to understand that for us English people, there is a deep genetic desire to steal and hoard precious artifacts. Yeah, it's awful. Even to this day, when I pass by sites of immense historical and cultural importance, I have the compulsion to dynamite my way in and claim the most sacred ah. items in the name of the crown." <laughs> No. For real, though. <laughs> Terrible. We mm. really did explode our way into irreplaceably important places. Yeah. Check out this arsehole. And he linked an article about Howard Weiss. So I read this last night. So Weiss developed what was called gunpowder archaeology. Oh, no. Where he basically blasted his way into the pyramids of Giza with oh, bombs. Yeah, yeah. He no, blast- I remember this guy. Yeah. He blasted all these tunnels, and he named them after his important friends and colleagues. Uh, in these tunnels, he found all this ancient graffiti pertaining to the pharaoh Khufu, and he became famous for this. But then years later, other archaeologists determined that he had forged the names of Khufu in these chambers because he was piece of shit. because he was determined to obtain a major find as time and money were running out for him. Oh, I'm so angry right now. Yeah. No, I remember uh, learning about this guy <laughs> when I was. Uh, I had a really cool history teacher in high school who was like one of the few teachers that would not just kind of gloss over the whole indigenous people were super murdered right. everywhere. And he taught us all about that. I remember learning something about this, but my memory for names is so fucking bad. I, right. I appreciate you sending us that, yeah. that link. Yeah. It's always <laughs> and, good to uh, relearn that stuff. Tom goes on, perhaps even worse though. Unwrapping mummies was pretty respectful compared to some of the other ghoulish business my Victorian ancestors got up to. Mummia, or mummy powder, was ground-up extract yeah. from exhumed bodies that, we used in e- that was used in everything from paint pigment to ingested medicine. Ugh. Yet more cannibalistic aristocrats. <laughs> Thanks for that comment, Tom. Yeah, thank you for that. Very cool. Um, Always feel free to chime in with weird historical yeah, he, bullshit he's right? got a, he wrote that Krampusnot um, yeah. article that's on Mignolaverse right Super now that's good. a really good read he writes really good stuff oh yeah go check out his stuff over at the thing the website yeah <laughs> I love the way you say that <laughs> <laughs> At the Griffin 88 said yep we the archaeological community lost thousands of mummies that way and Awful. at yeah, at Dope Danny said the weeaboo equivalent of their time oh <laughs> Ryan Rollinson said, I'm pressing the like button, but what I really mean is, what a horrifying presumption of imperialism. 
It's a, yeah, you hit, you hit the... I want to say you hit the nose on the money, but that's not how it the goes. The nail on the head? Yep. One of those. <laughs> Ryan also said of Garden of Souls, couldn't agree more about the curious fun pairing of Daimyo and Abe. At Teratophile on Twitter said, Garden of Souls and the weird animal hybrids was his favorite. Jerry Turnbull said, more beautiful color art from the mighty Dave Stewart. You can feel the tropical heat and the icy cold. And Mm -hmm. he posted like comparisons of all the different settings. He also said, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest the painting in Johan's room is a take on pre-Raphaelette paintings, which abounds with figures draped across the ground like Ophelia. And he posted a picture of Ophelia by Sir John Everett Malias. So I looked this up. There was a group of painters in in the late 1800s. And they were called the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. Its members believed the classical poses and elegant compositions of Raphael in particular had a corrupting influence on the academic teachings of art, hence the name Pre-Raphaelite. And I also found another painting called Love and the Maiden by English artist John Rodham Spencer Stanhope, and it was very reminiscent of that one with Johan, too. So I'll have to post those this week. But yeah, I looked up a lot of these images, and a lot of them have people laying down. There's a lot of images of people laying down or laying on the ground. Yeah, I saw the uh, the one picture he posted as a comparison, and I was just like, okay, that looks yeah, similar. They're yeah. all kind of in that style. Tom Hardman said, There are loads of paintings of Joseph being visited by angels that have a very similar composition. Might be a coincidence, but it's definitely a reoccurring scene. Lastly, uh, on our listener feedback, everyone really seemed to enjoy their butt collage uh, that uh, that was requested last week. What a good idea <laughs> that I had. No, thank you for doing that. That's hysterical. I'm glad it was received so well because I really have nothing better to do than go through every single story that Rogers appeared in looking for butt shots. That was hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't believe you actually did that. It was great. That was pretty awesome. Butts. So uh, we had a lot of uh, funny feedback on this. I'm just going to read through all of them really quick. Ryan Rollinson, Hellboy Butt Club, <laughs> Techpado de Sequoia, Stupid Sexy Flanders, Mark Tweedell, Well, You've Got to Appreciate a Classy Arse. At Effluvia, extremely strong, yes, good. At Holly Deer, more like homunculus. And at Chris M. Campbell 7 also made the same joke. At Ram John S. said, but why? But B U T T, but why? At AF Mullen said, no apology necessary. At EC Under Bass said, thank goodness. At Reverse Mermaid retweeted us and said, important content. (laughs) Yeah. At Letters and Numbers said, ghost train tiny butt. And he put the laughing emoticon when Scott Collins draws the little butt. Mike P. Canales said he's got that Hank Hill butt. <laughs> the KG said that he's waiting for the butt collection. I want the library edition of that. And Scott Alley commented, oh. the editor, and he said, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so like there you go. Rogers, but and I can't deny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay. All right. So earlier this week, I was watching The Office, and um, do you remember uh, how Johan called Roger a minch? Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, and we've got to talking about that. So I was watching the episode of The Office, and it was the Benny Hanna Christmas one, and. Michael calls Andy a minch. Oh, yeah. He goes, you're such a minch. And then it got me thinking, like, this was actually bad Andy, punch your fist through a wall Andy, and then right. later Andy becomes kind of goofy Andy. And I was like, Andy was in this other office, and he absorbed that guy's shit. <laughs> and then he comes over here and absorbs theirs mojo. No. Andy is... No, Andy kind of in... fell flat at the end for me, honestly. Oh, I didn't get to the end. I, I stopped after Michael yeah. left. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just saying, you know, 
that was just my thoughts. I was my those were just my thoughts the other night when I was watching The Office. <laughs> All right, we're gonna start our book club for the week, and we're gonna start off by talking about The Mole. The Mole was originally published together with Out of Reach and Bishop Olick's Devil in Hellboy Free Comic Book Day in 2008. This was the first comic produced for Free Comic Book Day that was part of the Hellboy universe. It's written by Mignola, art by Duncan Figredo, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. And so this prologue was not originally with the comic. You know what I mean? It's in the collect in the collected version they put it before Darkness Calls, but it actually came out after. We open on England. Hellboy's finally made it to England. And here he plays cards with Harry H. Middleton, Sir Albert Lindsay, and Lady Celia Radford. Hellboy's back. Yeah. Super excited about that, playing poker with ghosts. <laughs> and I was Hellboy looking Hellboy f- is such an incorrigible scamp. <laughs> yeah, that's what he likes to do is drink a lot of liquor and play cards, I guess. What are they playing for? They're playing for something. It's not money. They're playing for matchsticks. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. They have little matchsticks on the table. That's really good. Um well and even before we I open like this is Mignola cover art again, which I love. Always like to see. Yeah, that. I'm glad you mentioned that. So, um, one thing that is a little, I have a little small gripe with is in the BPRD omnibuses we get them in full color. Yeah. And in here they're just kind of like black and white or black and gray, and I just really wish that we got the full color. I got the full color over here. I got. I have that. Well, that's the cover to the trade. Yeah. But I wish it had the cover of the issues oh of the issues i yeah. wish it had the issue covers right in okay color. I know what you're talking that's about. what i meant Never to mind. say yeah. anyway anyway yeah and so i looked up all these ghosts that he's playing cards with i couldn't find a reference for harry h middleton although there are a lot of harry middletons with different middle initials yeah it kind of made me think of case a little bit when in one of our early episodes you probably wouldn't remember this because you didn't get the reference at the time he said um our late friend Case, he said that when he's at the grocery store, he'll just scream out, Harry Middleton, you're dead. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, it made me think of this because we know Harry Middleton is this ghost that Hellboy plays uh, cards with. And Sir Albert Lindsay, he may be a made-up name. I found a reference for a Sir Lindsay Parkinson and Company Limited, which was a large civil engineering company in the U.K., and Lady Celia Radford may be a reference to the la- legend of Lady Radford, Although that's unlikely because that legend is from Radford Chapel at McMurray University in Abilene, Texas. Her fiancé didn't show up for a wedding, and so she rang the bells for him at the Radford Chapel, and when he didn't return, she hung herself in the bell tower, and her ghost is said to haunt the building. Anyway, Hellboy wins the card game. Full house, queens, and sevens. That's how I beat the Vampire of Prague. And we all heard that story back in episode 9, and so have the ghosts. I've got more, Hellboy says. I just like how the ghosts are just, you mean, the the ghosts are giving him shit. For, dude, you're telling the same story over right? and over again. <laughs> That's how long he's been there. And they noticed a mole on his hand. What's that, Harry asks. It's a great whopping monster is what it is, boy, Lindsay says. And Radford says, you should have that looked at. <laughs> and Hellboy's just like, hey, let's just play cards, all right? And I like how he kind of hides his hand in his robe like he's self-conscious of it. Whose deal is it? And we see that he's all alone, right? That's where we kind of now, reveal. Is we... he asleep in a haunted house or a regular house that needs dusting? Well, what we're going to kind of learn in the epilogue is that he's probably in a haunted house, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
but you can never uh you can never tell with right you can (laughs) i mean the odds are it's a haunted house right yeah haunted or not it definitely needs a good dusting (laughs) (laughs) i like the little details in here i like to see all the little things yeah yeah duncan does a great job with these interiors yeah and Hellboy is looking at the mole, and it kind of starts to get bigger, right? I wonder. See, this is the kind of thing that, like, sometimes I have, a f- I would have fun drawing all that, and sometimes I'd be like, no, I don't want to draw any of it. So I wonder. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder Duncan how he feels that. about that. Yeah. It is pretty damn ugly. That's what Hellboy says, and it looks like it's getting holy crap, and it starts to just get bigger and bigger. It looks like it's really painful as this thing is kind of growing out of Hellboy's hand. And it grows into this kind of beast of apocalypse version of Hellboy that we've seen before. Or is that a different demon altogether? I don't know, but it kind of resembles what we've seen for the beast of apocalypse version. It kind of reminds me of the one that we saw in Box Full of Evil. Remember that Wallach turned into? Right. but When I he had the crown? I don't know if that necessarily resembles Hellboy at all. I don't know. It kind of made me think something of the original Hellboy design. I thought that was like uh, one of oh his yeah. cousins or something. Yeah. I don't know. And it leaves Hellboy's skin all kind of deflated and kind of just like a husk. And it kind of reminded me of the Crooked Man. Remember where yeah. that one lady, she uh, crawled out of her skin and turned yeah. into a raccoon? I mean, <laughs> this like while it, when he's coming out of the thing on his hand it's just very no thank you for me but, yeah like it's very i can i'm like ah oh. it's well done but it's also horrible yeah <laughs> yeah and i i don't know i just this this whole thing now where he's blowing away and he's all deflated and blowing away it's just very um yeah well it rips away from the right hand of doom i right, love but that it's panel a, it's yeah it's such a it's very absurdist yeah it's just really out there you're kind of like, what is happening it's while very, you're reading it? Yeah, yeah, it's just a very Dolly-esque kind of a thing going on, which I like. As I was reading, I was just like, what, what, what? <laughs> yeah. And Hellboy's skin just kind of floats through the air. We see it flying through the air. All the animals are looking at it. There's no dialogue. It's just yeah. a very... I like you say animals when it's just like a herd of cats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of this is so masterfully done, too, on the page that... Um, in the thing that I'm reading, it's page 12. He's... You see he's small and he's in the sky and it feels like you're on the ground looking right, up. Right, yeah. That kind of an I mean that's that's such masterful. It's just it's very subtle but the angle at which you're looking up at that is has such an impact. It's just a small little panel at the top right-hand corner of the page here. But it's just, it's a small panel but it's it's so effective. I mean, yeah. I don't know that many artists who really think about drawing like right. that and and that kind of a, that really separates for me that really separates like the masters right from the, just seeing it flutter through the air like that well and the just the angle of the um i guess the, the shot yeah. the perspective of it the perspective is very and it's well placed it's not just there for perspective's sake like this whole page is a work of art and it is well placed if you look at the top of page 12 that's what we're looking at in the uh, omnibus version so there's these two people that look up. It's very dramatic. Do you see that? Yeah. So there's and three people there. There's three people. Yeah, and then there's two like hooded people at the door. Mm. Yeah. So this made me think of the priest and the and the woman that were there when Hellboy's mom with the chain coffin. Yeah. You know, I was wondering if this is East Bromwich where mm. Hellboy visited for the chain coffin, and he had that visit. It kind of reminds me of the ghost of that priest and the lady that were, yeah. I guess she were that she was that lady's kids. Yeah. Anyway. It's just very cinematic. Even when, yeah. in the next panel, when he's picking up the hand, you know, it's just a very, 
it's masterful use of these um, perspectives and, and all that. Anyway, sorry to drag it down no. with all this fucking. No, that's great. And you're right. The the evil, the kind of evil devil, he picks up the right hand of doom. And I love this motion as the skin gets snagged on the weather vane of a yeah. rooster, right? And we see Hellboy's skin just kind of fluttering in the wind. That's a good shot, too. Yeah. I'm saying shot like it's a camera, but I mean, somebody drew that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I... Anyway. I don't think that's I don't think that's supposed to be a, a Hellboy proxy. I don't think that's supposed oh. to be a Hellboy proxy. I think that's like another guy. Okay. Right? I don't know. He says, Anung Esh, Anung M Esh, Anung Unrama. And Hellboy wakes up startled. And right before he wakes up, it focuses in on these, like his paper, like his yeah. whatever papery face fluttering in the wind. It's really kind of creepy. Before he wakes up, we have this very avant-garde yeah. thing. And then when he wakes up, it's very dream within a dream. It yeah. was all a dream. And it's, you know, I have a little thing on that. There's there's countless examples of this mm-hmm. in, uh, in literature, films, TV, comics, and stuff. Obviously, um, the plot of Inception, right, involves a lot of this. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. We're familiar with all that. Dallas. <laughs> does that very no um, one of the greats yeah the x-files buffy you know there's a lot of people who take this idea on and it's um you know a lot of some some people will say it's a trope by now right right that it's a it's a it's a um it's a device that's that's used a lot but uh, to me it depends on how you use it is it purposeful or are you using it to get out of a corner you've written yourself into ah. right so this is this is a very purposeful this is not I up like, oh, what are we going to do with these characters next? Our show is jumping the shark. What should we do to get people's attention? It was all a dream. Right. Right? Where you do this, whatever. It's an episode where everyone is in a musical or they're, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Where you're, but this seems like, they didn't have to put this here. They put it here for a reason. Yeah. They did a very, they didn't have to draw this avant-garde absurdist scene. It's there for a reason. And I, I appreciate that. I yeah. like that a lot. It's it's hard to it's hard to use a trope in a masterful yeah. storytelling way. Yeah. And it's it's difficult to do that. So And I think that what we're what Darkness Calls kind of sets up and what we're gonna see later from Hellboy, you're like, what does this dream mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and uh, just going to finish off my little uh, so- bullshit aside here with is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream. Uh-huh. Edgar, oh, I love Edgar that Allan Poe. Thought I'd bring that back around. Yeah, thank uh, you for that. I love that point. I have, used to say it all the time, and then uh. I hadn't thought about it in decades. Wow. <laughs> well, we're uh, this subject matter is very yeah Poeish at times. It can be very you know. There's a lot of corvids in this particular story. So right. Anyway. Yeah. That's anyway, true. back to the plot. Sorry. Oh, geez. Hellboy says as he wakes up. He checks his hand for moles. Takes a shot. Pours another. Just a dream, he says. I was say maybe he wouldn't have such crazy dreams if he'd stopped drinking expired liquor. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Shit. What's in that stuff? <laughs> I'm gonna see the the green fairy over here. <laughs> I just ah, I like the way he he gets these close up shots and the and then the ending shot with the birds in the house and anyway, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I love the birds with the, the mood shots of the close-ups. Yeah, all the, the little like are those seagulls? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I think those are gulls. Probably. At the end, did yeah. you know there's no such bird as a seagull? Mm. There are various gulls, and nice. they're all different gulls. That's been your nerdy bird thing yeah. of the day. <laughs> Thank you for that. 
Darkness Calls was published as a six-issue miniseries between May and November 2007. The story was collected with two new epilogues in Hellboy Volume 8, Darkness Calls, in May 2008. Story by Mignola, art by Duncan Fagredo, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. We open in a sheep pasture in Italy. Gorgeous. And under a broken chapel underground, we observe a hooded figure who summons the goddess of crossroads. Awesome. And this is all dialogue that we heard the harpies say in Wake the Devil. They had very similar invocations. Yeah, it's super good. All of this is chef's kiss. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> the figure dips his finger in blood and calls out to Hecate. Oh, shit. I invoke and conjure thee. I command thee, he says. This is all very badass so far. Yeah, and there's just some great mood shots. I love all the architecture, all the time that Duncan put in drawing all of this. And you see the steps are so old that they're sort of worn, yeah. where people have been stepping all these centuries or whatever. Love that little detail. And I love, as he's conjuring her, we get these really cool sound effects. There's like bird flapping and a wolf howls. It's super all very cinematic. I can oh, hear yeah. it. You know it's what I mean? It's super extra. It's very dramatic. And he draws with his finger around this, like, um, cauldron. cauldron. There you go. A giant cauldron. Thank you for that, Aubrey. I love when he does the reveal of who it is because it's not this obvious, like, super. It's just a very, it's, you know, he's sort of half shrouded. Half shrouded, yeah. It's kind of that little hint. You're like, oh, shit. It's uh, building that tension and this whole mood building stuff. Really taking time. To, to build that up for you and it's just such a fucking it's satisfying you know yeah. it's like getting entrance music when you really <laughs> when you really want to build someone up you know what i mean i really dig it it's just you know no one i i love that they save it for hecate yeah i love that they save it for hecate because they really want to impress upon us that this is some big shit and i think that that's yeah yeah that's good Command, the Iron Maiden appears behind fucking Igor Bromhead. Ah, yes. We last saw this sleazeball back in Box Full of Evil. He got trapped in a wall and he had his legs turned into a reptile by Astaroth. That's what I'm saying. Like, I could tell it was going to be this guy and I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And so Hecate appears behind him. Mercy, Queen of Witches, I am your humble servant, he says. I would not have you in my service, he says. (laughs) And she's like, lift your robe, I want to see. And he's like, your majesty, and he kind of shows her. Lizard feet. If we weren't sure that this was Bromhead, now we know. Your masters in hell have a good eye for character, reptile, she says. Bromhead says, I have no master, I am my own man. And she goes, half man. And he's like, Uh. mock me. Make sport of me, but it is by my own name, Igor Weldon Bromhead, that I curse thee and bind thee. And she's like, you dare say yeah. that to me? And I'm thinking that too. Yeah. I'm like, you dare say that to Hecate? Dude, you're about right. to get fucking... Even these birds stop drinking blood yes. and they turn around for a second like, what the fuck did you say? <laughs> and he goes, I bind thee by the four corners of the earth, by the sun, your enemy, and by thy own secret name, Elsa Hopstein. Oh, man. And yeah. Hecate just screams out. So this is kind of bringing it all back together. We know that, um, well, he'll, he'll say it here. Well, it's like, she screams and it's like the uh, armor shatters off of her. Yeah, you're right. That's beautiful. And he says, like we learned in Box Full of Evil, and knowing that name gives me power over thee. So he's doing the same tricks that he was doing then. I saw it. See, I saw that so differently, actually. I saw that as the binding hex or conjuration binding or whatever he's doing there. I saw it as having a physical effect on her as like 
it was knocking her right. into the wall. Yeah, but I like I didn't I didn't catch that. I guess it is kind of exp- I don't know if that's coming off of her or Oh, well she was already in the snake version. Yeah, I she's guess. already in snake form. But I guess I'm just noticing now how she has the little spikes from the iron like all It's kind of merged with It's her. kind of yeah. merged together. She's, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. How Hecate asks, you were betrayed, Bromhead yeah. says. Your lover Vladimir Jurescu. So we remember at the end of Wake the Devil, there was a little epilogue that said the skeleton of Jurescu went missing. So Bromhead had it. And so from J- Vladimir Jurescu's skeleton, he was able to learn all the secrets. I love this, um, that knowing that name gives me power over thee, that whole concept yeah. of knowing that secret about you gives me power over you. That's that's really where that comes from. Right. You know, and that's really interesting. he explains it further here. He says, triple goddess, spirit of darkness, iron skin, and human heart. So he knows that she was brought back to life by Ilsa. I, yeah, I like that he takes the original thing that people would say, all these yeah. badass, oh, triple goddess, oh, you're the spirit of darkness, you're the yes. witch qu- queen of the whatever, and also you're your weakness. Yeah. yeah, here's your weakness. I like that. That's really good. And she just screams out. Over in England, a harpy lands and hands over a wrapped object to some witches. And I love these transformation panels. If you kind of see... It's like a bird, and then on the next one, it's kind of like a half woman bird. Super good. Now, see, now he when people refer to her as triple goddess, does she have three separate familiars? Is it the it's the corvid, the owl, and the snake? Right. I don't know. I, I those I don't know three that much. animals are always around. Her. Oh yeah, you're right. Is that? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to do more research into that, but. That's a good. That's a good catch. Is it just a ner- Is it though? It might not be. I don't, I don't know, know if that's just like, oh, I want some cool, random, creepy animals around, or is that just like because they're always around? Right. No, you're right. And they are. So, always- I, mean, so, I wouldn't have brought it up, but the story talks about familiars later. Yeah. When people are these specific animals, and I remember when we were first introduced to Hecate and Wake the Devil, you even pointed it out that there was like an owl and a bird right behind her yeah. in the corner or something like and that. And you normally you would see like, oh, the wolf is always associated with this specific character right or this you know that familiar is a cat that familiar is a but does she have three familiars like is you know what i mean it would make sense if she's a triple whatever. yeah i don't know, so, I don't know. Anyway. i'll look into that back at stonehenge yeah <laughs> where one of the witches ass near a certain castle a wood with a clearing burnt black so this is where hellboy broke off his horns and wake the devil issue five they're forgotten a pair of broken horns one to keep one to carve. Oh, man. And we see that they've carved an image of Hellboy from the horn. That's wow. a pretty neat little carving there. Is, yeah, yeah, and it made me think of all these little details from Wake the Devil because he breaks them off and yeah. then he just throws them on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and he just leaves them there. What and it's a, like, yeah. it didn't mean anything to me at the time. I wouldn't have even thought, no, Hellboy, why are, are you, you throwing Why are you this? just throwing these there? But then you come back here and you go, of course, yeah. of course something like this would happen. Well, I mean, it's like you don't think about it because you don't think, where where your toenails or your fingernails are going when you right go right maybe you that's don't. true <laughs> maybe you don't no but uh, I, to, yeah. the, the, to be like a mystical artifact to come back around and be like let's take this thing from the very beginning and turn it into yeah a, I, mean, I love that yeah with hellboy harry wakes him up and asks if he wants another drink hellboy has been there for a month i'm not much of a house guest he says and harry says he's just glad hellboy came to him and as they're talking, the witches are kind of calling Hellboy from this little idol. And I love this um, panel where he's kind of holding his head. Like you can, he's trying to talk to Harry, but you can tell 
just from the motion that he's making that the witch's calling is having an effect on him. We learn that Harry was a friend of Trevor Broom, and they reminisce over the Phantom Hand at St. Albans and the Bronton Burroughs Hound. And so the Phantom Hand at St. Albans, we might talk about that later. The Bronton Burroughs is a prime British sand dune site, the largest sand dune system in England. It is particularly important ecologically because it includes the complete successional range of dune plant communities with over 400 vascular plant species. And a lot of people walk their dogs there. So it says Bronton Burroughs Hound. So I did not know that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and Hellboy says the good old days. And they look out onto the sea and we remember Trevor Broom. And I just love this panel. It's very beautiful. It's mm. almost like a nice little tribute, a nice little reminder, you know, that they're thinking about him. And oh my God, guess what time it is, guys. Oh, man. Sea shanty time. That's what we're all here for. That's what you guys all tuned in for. We hear Storm Along John. We even get imagery of the island where we first heard sea shanties, these three cups. It makes me think of those um, guys that Hellboy was singing sea shanties with in the island. They had those three cups. And so I will include a clip of Storm Along John here so we can all sing along. <laughs> awesome. Old Stormy, he is dead and gone. Stormy's dead and gone. Stormy along, boys. Stormy along, John. Oh, poor old Stormy's dead and gone. Ha ha! Cut along, kill along. Stormy along, John. I dug his grave with a silver spade. Stormy along, Harry tells Hellboy that dinner will be an hour yet. So Hellboy decides to go for a walk. And before Hellboy leaves, Harry gives him his gun. His is on the bottom of the ocean somewhere. Harry's gun is likely an M1911, also known as the government or cult government. It is a single-action, semi-automatic, magazine-fed, recoil-operated pistol that was standard issue during the 40s and well into the 80s. So that's the kind of gun Harry would have had. And I like how Hellboy's like, nice. <laughs> I like Hellboy's bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, it is really that is a really nice bathroom. It looks comfy. Hellboy says he's only he'll only be gone a few minutes. Take your time, Harry says. And son, Trevor's proud of you. Thanks, Harry, Hellboy responds. I hope so. And I just really like all this as Hellboy walks outside. The witches are still calling him. You can tell that he can still kind of feel it. And then all these cats all these start cats. watching start following him. Yeah. When we saw all these cats, it kind of made me think of Garden of Souls last week. All those cats were following that little girl. Oh, yeah. Um, so I wonder if that, has some, if that has something to do with it. I like how like cats can either symbolize like the creepiest thing ever or the cutest thing ever. I know, right? <laughs> Depending on the context. As Hellboy walks off, all these cats following him. And I love these panels of him smoking. Mm. Um, and the colors are kind of fading to darkness, too. You you see it's kind of like dusk, and then as it goes on, it's it's completely dark. And in the next panel, we see the moon out. Dave Stewart. Yeah. Hellboy goes deeper and deeper into this creepy forest, and he encounters three weirdos. <laughs> they call him Captain. Three weirdos. Yeah. And the short guy smells Hellboy and tells him he's got the smell of a sailor. Okay. And Hellboy's like, what's with your pal? Don't mind him, the tall guy says. We're only travelers, sir, like yourself. The woman points up the hill. There's the place, she says. And we get an image of three women hung. 
There, Hood hanged three sisters, the tall guy says. Henry Hood, Hellboy asks. And Hellboy knows this name, as we learn, because Hood was responsible for hanging over 260 women during April 1645 and 1646. Anyone's guilt could be bought for a price in his court, and in the end, his greed turned the mob against him. Mm. Sounds like a winner. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking... Others heard he was found in the company of a witch who was a rich man's wife, and another where the devil came for him one night on the Lancaster Road not far from home. And I love this panel of the devil just re- this yeah. giant hand reaching out. So when we read, God, what story was it? Uh, I think it was Almost Colossus where Kate was with Hellboy and one of the local guys was telling him about this terrible castle. And he said oh, that there yeah. was a fire and during the fire the, the guy tried to jump out of the window, but that devil reached out and grabbed him and pulled yeah. him back in. That reminded yeah. me of this panel where the devil's hand is, this giant arm is reaching out to grab this guy. All the tales end the same, with Hood's eyes burnt out with copper coins and buried alive in an unmarked grave. Nice. Unquiet grave, so I've heard, and we see that Hood is haunting the woods. We kind of see his skeleton throughout, and we see that he has those coins in his eyes. And we get a flashback of the hanging of Mary, Margaret, and Amelia, and they hear a crack in the woods. It's the sound of their breaking necks, the woman says. And the trio run off. They're like, ah, they scream off, and they they leave Hellboy there behind. So what did they say? Ah. (laughs) Hey, I'm just reading the word bubble here. Oh, I love it, though. (laughs) God damn it. Hellboy follows the trio, and they're starting to act all weird now, right? They find a spot where the witches were buried, and they drip some juice. That's what he (laughs) says. He says, here's the juice. Belladonna and Henbane, Hemlock, Soot, and Oil. I like that look on the the girl's face when she says oil. She's like, and oil. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough of, uh, and Hellboy finds himself stuck. You want to move but cannot. Leashed in by the powers of the moon. Tonight's a gathering of witches like none before in the history of the world. And we see all the witches surrounding the Hellboy idol. And it's like suspended in the air. And the short guy turns around and he's a frog. Secret black and midnight hags. The quick and the dead, he says. And him most of all. The quick and the dead and you, Captain. They gather for you, the tall guy says, as all the witches rise from the ground. And so these three are the... They're like the familiars, right? And those witches come out of the ground to get Hellboy. Chapter two. Love this cover so much. Oh, yeah. Those are like those familiars you were talking about for Hecate. I love this cover. Really nice. This little owl, little bats, little snake. There's like a, I don't know if that's an eagle. It looks like an eagle, but I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a raven. It looks like an eagle. Though. Yeah, it does look or like an eagle. Hawk. Anyway, because yeah. ravens have longer snouts. Is that an, another nerdy bird? i Sorry. Is that no, another no, no, nerdy no, no, no. bird? It looks, uh. Anyway. <laughs> the witches chant, and they say to the gods of night, that by your aid he is bound. By your aid our sisters are restored, and we see the Henry Hood skeleton again. I love this uh, this first panel with the witches. Yeah, and, it's beautiful. And the way and it's drawn, you could just like feel the wind. The wind, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good job. totally. Back with Hellboy and the weirdos. Wow, you <laughs> girls look like crap. Hellboy says to the three sisters. Oh, man. They look like spring flowers to me, the tall guy says. I was, and Hellboy's like, I'm, I was just going for a walk, yeah. right? That's what he tries to say here. As Henry Hood steps in, the skeleton of Henry Hood steps in to fight the witches. This guy sucks. Justice was rendered against the women. Death, 
and hell. And Hellboy's like, geez. <laughs> it's very dramatic. One of the witches climbs on Hellboy's back and calls him cousin as Hood fights the others. Well, that's our bit. And those trio, the familiars, they just like transform and get out of there. I really like the the little motion. Um, if you look at this panel and then you look at the next one where they turn into the cat, the crow, and the yeah, frog. It's, good. it's just really nice how they like erp and they They're kind just of jumping around. They yeah. jump out of their outfits, out of their clothing. I really like that. It's a lot of action all happening at once, but it's paced very well. Hey, Hellboy says to Hood, I said, watch it, pal. I'm on your side. Side, Hood ass. the stink of abomination is on you. And Hellboy just whams him with the <laughs> left hand. He just punches him. But Hood comes back with the swords and slashes his arm. And the crow comes down and he starts distracting Hood. The last witch is able to grab Hellboy and she lifts him into the air. Let's away, cousin, she says. I didn't, I, I don't know if I, something about that didn't sit well with me when Hellboy says he's on that guy's side. I don't know. I would have figured he wouldn't have been on anyone's side. He's just like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I was just taking a walk. Y'all are both horrible. Well, I, I think like Hellboy was basically led into a trap by the three familiars and these witches turned out, yeah. they jumped out to attack him. So then Hood starts attacking the witches right. and he's like, oh, we're both fighting these witches. Yeah, but I he think was, he meant it like yeah, that. But he, yeah, but they told him the story of the guy. He was clearly terrible. So, right. Know, something about that was very. I think it just meant that current pickle that right, he was yeah, trying yeah, to get the current out of. Situation. Yeah. Sure. Hood, my curse is still on thee. The witch says a thousand times. No peace in life and none in the grave. And Hood just screams, and Hellboy goes higher and higher into the air. And um, we see this amazing congregation so of witches good. and all the creatures flying. I really all their like familiars. This. It's all their little familiars, like the little goat. Yeah, they're riding on a goat and all these animals, and it really reminded me of Witches Going to Sabbath yeah. in 1878 by Luis Ricardo Falero. Great and so catch. I'll post it. That's it's, a good yeah, piece. it's a great um, panel of just this of all these witches flying through the air. One of them's riding a goat. Yeah, yeah, super good. It's I like, awesome. I like the two up here. One's riding a stool, and the one in front of her is riding on a bench. Yeah, yeah. And above it's got a bone. Yeah, like a <laughs> giant bone. Yeah, those are really cool. So. And then um, a cauldron over here. It's not just like brooms or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's what that painting is like, too. That's such a wonderful concept. I think that's really fantastic. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. That's awesome. Jeez, Hellboy exclaims, lady, you're going to have to let me go right now or we're going to have trouble. And the witch says, ah, sir, that's no way to be. And the crow comes in. They've all come for you and you're bound for the Sabbath at Leeds. Nice. Oh, yeah, Hellboy says. The midnight trumpet sounds and darkness calls. And Hellboy's just like, screw that. And he takes out his gun that Harry gave him and he shoots at the witch. But then he realizes that he's super high up in the air. So he falls all the way to the ground. And I think it's funny because he's trying to get away. So he falls through the roof of this house. He lands and he's right in the middle of the Sabbath with all the witches around him. It's, it's like, too good. <laughs> And so there's a nice beat as they all kind of realize he's there. He looks up, he realizes where he is, and they're just like, welcome, Hellboy. And they have that little idol because they called him there, right? Using yeah. that idol, yeah. they were able to kind of get him to go there. So he was just planning to go for a walk, but I think through the use of that carved horn, they were able to get him to I end up this, there. I love this beat. The next page with the huge panel where he's just looking out into this crowd of yeah. witches. And he's just, it's just, it's beautifully 
all this it's just so beautifully rendered and then he's so what's your deal it's fantastic <laughs> yes i love that it's so good but this oh, panel what? is just beautiful yeah I, I i really like this shot that we get right here by duncan as i was uh reading this i was like thinking man it's been a while since we've seen hellboy be dropped from somewhere from a great distance <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> then say something wry right yeah. afterwards happened to be in the play the place the plot needed and yeah. love i love his comment <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so funny yeah we have seen that a couple times and so yeah in answer to what's your deal they tell him igor bromhead little guy round head weird mustache and they say he escaped from you so again that's another <laughs> i love this so much he's he's very he's just very uh flippant yeah he escaped so and he's hiding in a tomb so <laughs> i give a shit i don't fucking care about any of this and this is another one of those times where obviously the you know hellboy for us i think for all of for all of us is always uh you you hear his voice as being um Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, obviously. He's the ultimate, yeah. You know, I, anytime I'm reading Hellboy, that's what I hear is I hear Ron Perlman's mm -hmm. voice in my head. But every once in a while, just very occasionally, I don't know why Patrick Warburton will yeah. pop up whenever he's being whenever he's being that's this like putty, dry, yeah. flippant kind of comments like little guy, round head, weird mustache. It's very I don't know. Something about that. Very that was good. And so they tell Hellboy that Bromhead had the bones of Vladimir Jurescu. So you remember, yeah, you remember Jurescu. Bromhead's wrung from those bones by necromantic art. All that transpired at Castle Jurescu. Necromantic. How Jurescu was abandoned by his lover Ilsa Hopstein. How Ilsa was put into the Iron Maiden by her master, the Ghost Rasputin. How Jurescu was resurrected by his vampire mother. Hecate. This is another great summary. Yeah, how you fought and destroyed her, but some of her spirit remained in the body of Vladimir Jurescu, and how she abandoned him to take Ilsa's iron body and became Hecate again. Triple goddess, queen of witches, no more. And, and normally, you normally don't... Oh, I was about ah! to <laughs> Synchronicity. Yeah, did... synchronicity. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. Sorry your allergies are bothering you. I normally... Uh, I would just skip over all that. It's boring. I don't want to hear it. I've read the shit. I we get all it. know your, we your all know feelings the on the recap. It, but it, but it, it just feels so like inorganic and very forced and very. And then this happened, and then that happened. But this actually feels like yeah. someone is. The narration doesn't bother me at all. It's it's very. I don't know. It's very. It's so dramatic, and it it fits so well here for some reason. I don't know. It's very well done. I really didn't mind it. I read the whole thing, and wow. I kept. I was excited to read it, and I don't know. I can't. I I don't know how many times that's ever happened. Maybe none. You know what I mean? It's. I was excited to read this part because it's it's um. It's, it's just worked into the story very well. Yeah, and it's it's um it's succinct and it's very um, the prose is good. Yeah, it's, it's good prose, man. And I think also. It's been a long time since we've talked about any of this stuff, so I think it's kind of nice, too, to kind of see it yeah. all tied up. You go, oh, yeah, okay, now yeah. this makes sense well, to me. Well, it sounds fucking cool. Like, it's something that, yeah. even though you know the story, to have someone say it to you like this just sounds fucking cool. Like, yeah, it's just really good. Human heart, iron skin, immortal spirit by human heart betrayed. And we see the the rest of that scene where Bromhead uses her name, Ilsa Hopstein. We see him pull her from the Iron Maiden. I thought that, that was so just, yeah, it's just so is, creepy and grisly. messed up. Yeah. 
That's and, fucking grim. And he gives her to Jurescu, and he's just like, my love. And she's like, no. And it he's like, him, like, yeah. like, dragging her into this, like, hole in the wall. Like, it's fucking just, yeah. Into a crypt or and whatever. And he's, well, he's burying them in the wall, yeah. too. He's sealing them up in the wall. So this is just all, I mean, to see a character like Hecate get taken down by this slime ball, you know, is just kind of like, it's 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 uh, it's just really incredible. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say. I hope that we do get to see her again because going down by this guy's it's not satisfying. No, it's yeah. not at all. Now all that remains of Hecate is an Elsa, entombed till doomsday. And Hellboy's like, good, she was a pain in the ass. What about Bromhead? And they're just like, fool. He tried to make himself king. And so we see Bromhead. He's out there. And he's trying to call, um, I guess he's trying to call the moon down. Well, the owl and the eagle. It's definitely an eagle. Look at the little feet. Yeah. So the owl and the eagle show up and they're like, yeah, call down the moon. Right, they egg him on. You should do it. (laughs) And so he does it again and he's just like, ah, there's another ah again, Aubrey. (laughs) And Wait, they, what does he say? Ah. <laughs> and so we talked about Aglonice of Thessaly way back in episode three when we when we discussed the women of Thessaly in Wake the Devil, who were these harpies. But Aglonice was a Greek astronomer from the first or second century BC, and she was known as a witch who could pluck the moon from the sky. But this was actually her knowing how to predict eclipses. Nice. The witches tell Hellboy that he should be their king. So because she knew how to predict eclipses, they called her a witch? Yeah, because they, yeah. That, was new si- that was new science, and people didn't know. Yeah. They were like, oh, she knows she could pluck the moon out of the sky because yeah. she could basically Cults. say when yeah. it was going to disappear can draw down the power of the moon it's just like yeah so she knows basic astronomy right like the most localized possible (laughs) astronomy the witches tell hellboy that he should be their king his father was lord over witches back in the day and we get a cool flashback of that i'd go to that party (laughs) also hellboy's mother was a witch and we learned about that in the chain coffin story who then has more right to be king and hellboy's just like screw you guys (laughs) Looks like and he bit his cigarette. <laughs> yeah, he did. The witches asked for peace, but Hellboy just says, "Shut up." Shut up. How about this? I let you finish your little meeting, and I won't shoot anybody or burn this place down. So but tomorrow, good. careful, cousin. The witch interrupts, lest it be war between us. Fine by me, oh, Hellboy shit. says. War and the idol shatters. And I really like that. They look fucking scared. To them, it's, yeah. To them, they just cower. They can't believe this. But to Hellboy, he's just like walking off. And so they're all like, we can't let him go. What do we do? So they're like trying to figure out what to do as Hellboy leaves. And then they hear a voice. If I may suggest, and they see it's Koku. This guy. With a word from my mistress. And so we remember Koku, he brought the Iron Maiden to Rasputin from Baba Yaga in Wake the Devil. His mistress says that if you offer him, she will take him and you will see him no more. You know, she no longer lives in this world, so can make no claim to this one, this Hellboy. And the witches say yes, they agree. So Koku, he snaps his fingers, and as Hellboy's trying to leave, he walks out and he just encounters this blizzard. It's a very Mignola-esque kind of panel. Yeah. Yeah. So he's now in the Baba Yaga's world. Finally, you've strayed from your narrow road to the wider world, and finally to me. 10,000 years ago, you took my eye, she says. Actually, March 1964. I love that. That's great. I love how it just kind of shows that she uh, likes to exaggerate a little bit. A little bit. (laughs) And I, I think it also makes me think of just that humor 
it's just uh, yeah. that humor is like throughout and i see a lot of things where people are like oh they're only making it funny for the movie or this and that about but the book has always been yeah, funny no, it's, it's always had this yeah. quirky stuff and, and it's it doesn't overdo it with the fourth wall breaking it's very slight yeah it's just a little pinch of salt there and i think that that's yeah you were saying that he's in her little world right now, kind of this Narnia thing. Uh-huh. I love the name for it. Oh yeah, the name for it is something that, um, again, it's those little details that really bring it to life and give it warmth. And for me, that's something that's so hard to achieve and have it be so genuine. Yeah. Like a lot of times, you know, you'll see a fucking movie that you never bothered to see in the theater that you were just like it's and it's and this place is called unobtonium and it's whatever the fuck you know and it's so okay great i can see you put no fucking effort this did not come from a sincere place but the it's the world building the thrice the, nine lands in the thrice tenth kingdom or something the, like yeah that. it's the yeah something like that yeah so i the here it is, yeah. The thrice nine lands in the thrice tenth kingdom. Yeah, that's oh, exactly. Well, I'm surprised I knew you were exactly on the money. <laughs> no, but it's just so good. And that so was also good. referenced in Wake the Devil. I yeah, believe. it's fantastic. I don't know what it is about those little details that really it brings it all together for me in such a satisfying way. One thing else uh, about this whole "You took my eye ten thousand years ago" actually, oh yeah, nineteen sixty four. It also made me wonder if time just runs differently in her world oh yeah so maybe it had for her it has been ten thousand years wow but uh, dude great catch so many stories are like that well it helped when you said narnia because yeah yeah. how did i not even (laughs) i didn't even catch my own reference no yeah that's a good point man maybe in this place time is just super different right i love that too yeah i love that shit so it could either be times different or she's exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that time works differently in different realms, that time isn't even a thing because it's not. It's, oh, yeah. it's not a thing right. at yeah. all. It's just how we perceive it. So that's anyway. I won't oh, go yeah. off into I won't go into that. No, in no, my no, fucking yeah. pro- professor, <laughs> Mc, Mc, professor O'Donnell, uh, professor O'Donnell. Oh, uh, you know, and then time is also affected by gravity. So maybe her world is. Very heavy. Always fascinated. By <laughs> Let's come like back that. to that yeah, point later. I won't. Yeah. Anyway. Hellboy looks out into the storm and he sees this army marching towards him. You guys looking for trouble? I guess that's okay by me, he says, and he's confronted by an army of the undead. Now I'll have your eye for payment, the Baba Yaga speaks through the undead soldier. And your life. Mm. Chapter three. Hecate, god of all witches, is gone forever. And all the queens of old, Erichtho and Herodias, Circe and Medea, are all dust. So, of course, I had to look these up. In, in Roman literature, Erichtho is a legendary Thessalian witch who appears in several literary works. She is noted for her horrifying appearance and her impious ways. Herodias was the wife of Herod Antipas, ruler of Rome of Galilee, in northern Palestine from 4 BC to AD 39. She conspired to arrange the execution of John the Baptist and was notorious for saying she wanted his head on a platter. Circe is a goddess of magic or sometimes a nymph, witch, enchantress, or sorceress in Greek mythology. Wasn't that in the... uh... Wasn't she in the Iliad? Am I wrong? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not probably sure. wrong. I was just thinking how like the name is used um, a lot in fiction. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. In like, modern fiction, you mean like in yeah. Well, Wonder Woman says yeah. it, yeah. And Medea, is that how you say it? Is it Med- Medea okay. or Medea? I don't and know. And is it Erichto? 
It probably is. I have no idea how to pronounce any of these words. I'm and uh, Medea is a witch in Greek mythology who figured prominently in the myth of Jason and the Argonauts and several other stories from the period. She is one of the great sorceresses of the ancient world and is usually depicted as being a priestess and devotee of the witch goddess Hecate. Nice. So that makes sense there. And the witches try to figure out who else can lead them. You know, a voice says, you all know. And we reveal Garagosh. We last saw this angry pig guy in the epilogue <laughs> for the island where he vowed revenge on Hellboy. Yes, he is still mad at Hellboy for burning him with iron way back in the short story, The Corpse. And he also blames Hellboy for him getting trapped in the pig body. I feel bad for this guy because I know something bad is coming for him mm. and he can't see it and he won't calm down. Right. He He's... needs a timeout. And Gragash says, the one they fear, though you poisoned her and cut her into pieces, she should be queen. Gragash says, even before I wore this pig body, I was shrunken, fading, as all the children of the earth are fading, as the witches are fading. Every year your power is less, and soon you will be nothing. But if she were queen, and they're like, you cannot mean, not her, tell me where to find her, Gragash says, and I will bring her to you. Time to decide. Fade away or shake the trees again, crack mountains, and make the daytime world weep for fear. This all sounds very awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm like with this guy. Does that, you know what I mean? Right. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Well, it's, you know, and we talked about this in The Corpse a little bit, yeah. that Donashi tells Hellboy by taking the baby, now we're going to fade into darkness, you know, our race is going to be lost forever, and Hellboy's just like... Great. Now she doesn't have to live under a log with you guys. But yeah. they're just like, no, you know what I mean? This yeah. is this is important to us. And I I just like I feel I feel this what this guy is laying down, yeah. man. I, I I really I don't know. There's something about this character that's very poignant. Back with Hellboy beyond the Thrice Nine Lands in the Thrice Tenth Kingdom, the Baba Yaga commands, an eye for an eye, and we get an amazing fight yeah, sequence from Fregredo. I love how Hellboy just leaps into these soldiers. Ah, he just so like good. jumps into this crowd and just like all the design and so in the sketchbook it shows Mignola designed the look of the soldiers and he just drew all these different helmets and he told Fregredo, mix and match boots and shields sure, and helmets yeah. and he was like some of them shouldn't have helmets at all. You know, they should be dented. They should look worn. So this is another one of those things where I wonder how how much fun are you having with this and how much are you just like, oh, I have to draw this whole fucking right. yeah. thing with a million guys. It's so much detail. You know, like, is I, I, I just wonder, um, is this the kind of artist who revels in this kind of scene or right. is this the kind of artist who, <laughs> like me, would probably be like, fuck, no, I'm not drawing all this. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, and there's so much little detail. Like, yeah, and a Hellboy lot of kicks off. Lost. He's kicking off one of the heads of one of them. I oh, like how you spats, see his feet. Aubrey. Yeah, you see his feet again. His, oh, little, yeah. his little cloven hoof feet. Bet this was a big ass mistake. He says as he fights them. I think a lot of this could easily get lost. Yeah, in, uh, with if it was another artist, um, not to badmouth any artists in the world, because every artist is is different and good and special in their own way. But I just mean like sometimes. I can kind of I I glaze over sometimes with action sequences. I just sort of skip those yeah. pages, but not with this. Like it, it's actually telling a story, and it, you know it's. Yeah, I'm glad that we're getting to, uh, that you brought that up. So one thing that I meant meant to mention a couple minutes ago was I don't know if you know this Aubrey. So you know Lee Bermejo, he did that 
um, the Joker graphic novel. He's a really famous oh, artist. Right, right. Yeah, okay. He's yeah, yeah. yeah. His so stuff is good. His, his art stuff is, is good. amazing, and I love his art. He was originally supposed to do this book. And he uh, did the entire issue one. Yeah. And then for whatever reason they decided to go with a different direction and they had they called Duncan to to come do it. And so Duncan redrew issue one and then the rest of the series. And you can go online and Google Lee Bermejo really Darkness Calls. I'll probably post them online and you can see his versions of some of these pages. Wow. And they're beautiful, but it's like kind of like I wonder what led to that decision. I don't know. I, I would love to see those pages. I would love to see Lee yeah. Mayhill do a Hellboy book, but you cannot deny looking at this action scene that this oh, is Duncan this Hebrew was is this incredible. was for Duncan to draw. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. You know, and well, I wonder and, if it was just that, like um, maybe um, he didn't his schedule didn't have he had some conflicts scheduling maybe, conflict yeah, or know. something like that. I mean, it, you never really know like what could happen, or he was just like, hey, I was happy to draw this one, but maybe I have some other stuff that I'm doing over here, right, and maybe. I have no. I don't yeah. know. But um I mean his stuff is amazing. His his work is great. I can't, you know, no I don't think anyone here would would deny that, but yeah, Duncan Fregredo is an excellent choice right. for Hellboy, obviously. It's very obvious that he's good at this. Who else to draw what goes along with the dialogue? Stupid goddamn skeleton army bastards. I'll show you what the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a really funny beat right here. It's almost like a cartoon. They all swarm him, and then he goes underneath and crawls underneath them, kind of like you would see in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And he gets a couple feet away before they notice that he's gone, and then they all start chasing after him again. Where will you run? This is my world, the Baba Yaga says, speaking into one of her lighted skulls. And suddenly Hellboy encounters a pack of giant wolves. Awesome. But instead of attacking him, they just run past him. And you can see he's kind of scared at first, but then he's like, whoa, as they all kind of just go over I think he him. thinks he's about to have to deal with this. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. This is a great this is a great scene. And instead, they run past him and they attack all those stupid goddamn skeleton army <laughs> bastards. A white wolf calls Hellboy this way. Baba Yaga's watching this like it's she's watching her stories. Right. And Hellboy's <laughs> and when the wolf calls him, Hellboy's just like, uh, okay. Yeah, and Baba Yaga's like, no, no. But I like how Hellboy's yeah, okay, all right. And Hellboy is led to the Leshy. He tells Hellboy that he sent the wolves, but not for you. The Baba Yaga hates you, and that gives me pleasure. Awesome. Therefore, to spite her, I'll grant you one night's shelter in my wood. And Leshy is not entertained by Hellboy's stories. He tries to start telling his stories. He transforms into his awesome horned self. What do you guys think of this reveal? It's a he's a shaman in the woods. He's a yeah, he's a shaman. very very cool. I mean, I it's it's an amazing transformation scene. It's very um, it's very smooth. It's very well done. You can tell exactly what is going on here. Again, Dave Stewart, amazing as well. Yeah, it's um, I I love the panel where he's turning around talking to him. I think that that's a really... I just love everything about it. The Leshy is a deity of the forest in Slavic mythology. The Leshy is humanoid in shape and is able to assume any likeness and can change in size and height. He is sometimes portrayed with horns and surrounded by packs of wolves and bears. He is known by some to have the propensity to lead travelers astray. And some believe that he's an evil entity. He is, however, also known to have a more neutral position towards humans. Dependent on the attitudes and behaviors of an individual person or population towards the forest. So just like he tells Hellboy here, as long as you respect the forest, you're yeah. going to be okay. He's like, don't yeah. harm any living thing. He even says, feed your fire with twigs from the ground. So he's yeah. not even allowed to, you know what I mean? And so that's that whole shaman 
of the woods being like a neutral like a force of nature like he's taking care of the the he's taking care of the nature and all that reminds me of the uh the horned one from the um the tar- we we're talking about tarot cards oh, recently. Yeah. so that's yeah. very it's a it's a common uh archetype i would say i guess so i love the use of it here I yeah think that's very i guess in it could be considered a deus ex machina, but it just flows so well. Yeah. And it goes so well with the rest of what we know from Hellboy that even Hellboy, he knows to expect anything <laughs> and be, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm going to follow whatever. this Whatever, and then he's very go with the flow, and we're used to having all different, from all different parts of the world, all these different um, mythologies and different stories from different cultures. And so, to me, it doesn't seem out of place, and you know, it doesn't seem... It just seems like another normal day in the life of Hellboy, and right? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's beautifully done. It's very well done. It's um, it's a lovely little scene. It's like um, right. It's, it's like candy. Yeah, well, it's it's really good. I also like how he's not doing it to help Hellboy. He's like, I don't yeah. really care. I don't care about you. I just like pissing her off. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, no, that's a great point because we see that they're all they have their own. Things with yeah. each other yeah. outside they have their own of politics. You know, yeah. It yeah. reminds me of when the Bog Rouge was like. Didn't she say shit about Baba Yaga yeah, and Hecate and stuff like that? They yeah. all have relationships with each other that are um, could be contentious, or they're like they're rivals, or maybe they're connected somehow. They're on this, you know, this side or this side, and it's yeah, and it's it, very interesting to see that inter. Yeah, I just love seeing the connections that they have. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. yeah, like John was saying, like the politics or whatever of their world, like they have their own shit going on that we don't even know about, and it seems so much bigger than what we're involved yeah. in. It's just very interesting to kind of get little glimpses of how they, yeah. oh yeah, I fucking hate that bitch. She's right. a, you know, or, ugh, not not him again. Right. <laughs> I love that stuff. Hellboy asks the Leshy if he knew the way back to England, but the Leshy is preoccupied with the Baba Yaga, and he asks Perun, father of the world, to aid him in stopping her army. In Slavic mythology, Perun is the highest god of the pantheon and the god of thunder and lightning. Awesome. And we see that Perun does a- apparently start this blizzard, I guess, and the skeleton army is immobilized by the blizzard. I like that they're all, like, all the different times and different histories and different cultures, they're all, they all know each other. Right, yeah. They're real, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's just very interesting. It's not like, um, it's just, it's more interesting to me than... We have this one thing, and all the rest of them are just fairy tales. Like right. either they're all fairy tales, or they're not. It's got to be one or the other. Well, we talked about that. This is like Baba Yaga's world. Yeah. The thrice tenth land and the thrice. Or did I say that backwards? Anyway. No, you know that you got it. Anyway, um, but most of the references in this world are Slavic mythology. Yeah. Is what I found. The, so it's the kind of like ninth yeah. kingdom or whatever. It's all Slavic. Yeah. Yeah, that's... These that's, are all Slavic references, yeah. most of them. But, most of the stuff involving Baba Yaga is going to fall under that umbrella. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just like that they ta- they, they'll focus in on a specific set of mythologies and, and we'll learn about it and that kind of prompts us to go yeah. learn more about it. Like you'll you'll pull up the wiki and we'll be like, oh shit, I didn't know about that. That's Yeah, I love <laughs> learning about all these different folklores. Super good. Yeah. Hellboy is woken by the white wolf. The sun is rising. Remember, Hellboy only had one night in these woods. Yeah. And the wolves are looking pretty hungry. So Hellboy runs, (laughs) and he finds the ruins of the skeleton army that got caught in the blizzard. And he's like, nice. Nice. The Baba Yaga flies through the air and summons Kashi. And I love this shot of her flying through the air. Yeah. It's really stylized. It's very... um... You so you see the um you know she's in the, you know she's got the mortar and pestle and you see yeah. that it's kind of um 
it's just a very this could be a print yeah the, the it little, really could the little clouds and the little i don't know anyway and i like how she's like kashi and he's like what <laughs> like there's no like yes baba yaga yeah. this and that right she's like what she's like, like i have a task for you why would i do this for love of me she asks ha which those days are long past you want my sword now you must pay for it pay i see heaps of treasure poor and feeble thing that i am what can i give the great kashi and he's like do not mock me hag you know and you can see that he's been sitting there for a long time he's yeah. all covered in cobwebs and i everything. like this dude right off the bat yeah he's great i like how he, he it the cobwebs on his face and all that just kind of indicate that he is just so over even just fucking moving yeah, yeah. <laughs> so over it that's great he's all like fuck this yes dude and he's like you know and she's like i do i know it well death Kashi, fetch me Hellboy's head. Do that, and I'll set you free. And we see Hellboy so in the blizzard. He's making his way over to the house. The um, Again, we've got a good... His grasp of perspective is what I really marvel at. Oh, yeah. and I think that... I hate to keep comparing Duncan Figueroa to Mike Mignola, because I'm not saying, oh, he's just you right. know, doing his style. Obviously, they're both separate and great artists in their own right, but... In the past, Mignola has used very sparse and simple line work to indicate movement or rain or wind. And he, you know, and I think that Duncan Figueredo is also good at that, is what I'm yeah, trying to say. I yeah. think he's, he's also good at that. It's very simple. It's, there's not a lot. It's just very, um, it's just little tiny lines and shapes, but you get this great sense of, like you were saying earlier, Aubrey, like the wind, or you right. feel, you can feel yeah. the wind. You can really feel this. This perspective makes you feel like you're caught in a yeah. blizzard or whatever, and it's just very interesting. And another thing I wanted to say about Kashi, I really dig it. He's kind of like, I get this real Lobo vibe from him. Yeah, but yeah. he's very chill. It's like almost he's very chill. It's him sitting in this throne over here, you kind of. I've I've said this before about a different character about Jurescu, but he reminds me of Lemmy a little bit. Oh yeah, he does have a Lemmy look. He about has a very him. Lemmy vibe, and uh, especially later when he's kicking in a door, you just see this boot. Oh and yeah, he's like, Lemmy's well... coming for you. <laughs> and uh, but I, you know, it's a great character design. It's a great dialogue for this character. I immediately fucking love this guy, and I finally get why. They're... Okay, so <laughs> let me pack up. There's a guy. Please remind me of his name. I'm so bad with names. There's there's an awesome dude. He does these little comics, these Kashi comics. Oh, Kashi the Deathless. Okay, yeah. No, God, I don't know what his they're name really is. They're really cute and funny, and they're really original and just so sweet. And it's it's like fan art, but it's like he actually is. I look forward to more of them. You know, whenever he does them, I think they're great. Um, but he's. I'm talking about, of course, the um, Mike Mignola's art Facebook page. It's a little community of awesome people. We talk about them a lot. Wakla Kurzweil. So that's, that's the artist. That's the guy that you're talking about that does those little comics on the Mike Mignola's art Facebook. We know page. that we can't pronounce your name, and we're sorry. Let us know how to pronounce your name correctly because we think you're awesome, and I I look forward to more of those uh, Kashi the Deathless little little strips. I'm excited to finally come across this character because I had been reading those little comics. I'm like, oh, this is cute, and now in context, I think they're fantastic. Yeah. So, anyway. Awesome. I just actually wanted to point out on this one blizzard uh, shot right here. Yeah. Um, I love the way that uh, Dave Stewart has done the colors because yeah. 
you can kind of see the blue and the green yeah. and the red. And Hellboy's all red, but it's all super washed out. Yeah, yeah. it is very slight. Good point. That must be really difficult to do. It's and just a very slight tone to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, part of me wonders if I, I'm actually seeing those colors or my brain is just <gasps> right. throwing those colors in. because I wonder. Yeah. You know, you'd be able to tell. Well, I, I think no. I think that you're. I think there are separate tones because <laughs> That's wild. if you put yeah. this into Photoshop and use the color selector, you would see oh, that yeah. the different hues or, would probably come up or max out the saturation or something. Whatever, like that. Yeah. yeah. But these are probably Pantone hues. Oh yeah. And real quick, just on that Slavic folklore, Kashi is an archetypal male antagonist. Described mainly as abducting the hero's wife. So in oh, most well, archetypal, not, he's like, right. I'm going to steal your wife, and now you have to come back and get her. I don't know about well, that. He's kind of the bad guy most of the time. I like this one. Yeah. That sounds like a, a 1930s cartoon. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, I like the, the interaction between this guy and Hellboy. It's very... Well, I don't really want to be doing this, but I got to be doing it. Right. So, so this, but that's what I was talking about, like the comics um, that Walkclaw draws. It's basically just Kashi and Hellboy hanging out, being yeah. buds, trading stories, and yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, moving on. Hellboy gets to this cottage. He goes inside, and the place seems empty. But then Hellboy soon starts getting things thrown at him, and I love all the little details, all the little mood shots in in the cottage. Hellboy's like, quit it! All this stuff is getting thrown at him, and then he turns around and he sees two little eyes hiding in the stove. Hellboy discovers a domovai, and I don't have to look this one up because it's actually footnoted here. <laughs> a Russian house spirit, usually the spirit of an ancestor who looks after the welfare of the family. And it's a very, it's a very sweet and very sad little, little meeting here. He's he's just doing all that stuff because he's really upset that his family's gone he's still trying to protect the house i think that's very yeah and hellboy he's not like yeah i'm gonna fight you now he's no. like hey what's up you're you're a domovoy right where's yeah. your family and he's like gone and he's crying and sobbing and then yeah. Hellboy's like oh no that's really tough man i'm sorry that's rough you know yeah and then he says um that babiaga offered a reward for your eye and he's like oh yeah you want to come out here and try to collect on that well, all right then. He's just sitting there, yeah. He doesn't want to, you know what I mean? He's just a very... Yeah. As long as he knows that Hellboy's not there to disrespect the house or whatever, that he, he is sympathetic towards him, of course he's not going to try and, you know, he's a... I like that they immediately establish, just in one page, they, without any heavy-handed or right. you know, ham-fisted, you know, dialogue, it's a very... We're immediately drawn into this, we have sympathy for this little dude that we've never seen before and we... You know, because um, Hellboy is such a great vehicle for that. We all see ourselves in Hellboy. We want to be the one going on these adventures. Right. And talking to these people. And we want to believe that we would make the same decision and be like, you know, hey, man, it's all good. If if you're cool, I'm cool. I'm sorry this happened to you. I'm just <laughs> passing through kind of a thing. And it's just a very, those stories are so few and far between where you really get invested like that. Anyway. Yeah, I like this little guy. And we cut to him and Hellboy they're smoking together. Fantastic. Yeah, and Hellboy's like recounting all the things. He's like, me, king of witches. I mean, what the hell is that? And the little guy's like, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> and he's like, right, I was so goddamn mad. I thought, what the hell? Why not fight a whole army of skeletons? <laughs> and the little guy, the Doma voice says, no wonder Perrin favors you so. Perrin, god of storms, lord over the whole world. 
All right. At this point, I'll take all the friends I can get. And we see the little statue of Perrin. And Mignola designed that. There's uh, sketches of it in the sketchbook. So great. Hey, Skellington guys. Oh, Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew. Yeah. Skeleton Crew. Carve us one of these little wooden Perrin figures. And do a Hellboy one while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the little horn. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one. That would be a great one. Go but, out there, um, find a Hellboy horn, and carve me one up. <laughs> but yeah, I just like this scene where he's he's always drinking rum with skeletons and having a smoke with this little guy in yeah. Russia. And yeah, fantastic. Classic Hellboy. After they mention Perrin, we get a really good image of Perrin in the sky with the lightning and everything. The Baba Yagas put Kashi on your trail, but the storm will make you hard to find. Kashi, Hellboy asks, what's his deal? Kashi the Deathless, the Doma voice says. His soul is inside an egg, inside a duck, inside a rabbit, inside a goat. And the Baba Yaga's hidden the goat so he cannot be killed. We'll see, Hellboy says. And so this is also from the Slavic folklore. Kashi cannot be killed by conventional means targeting his body. His soul or death is hidden separate from his body inside a needle which is in an egg, which is in a duck, which is in a hare, which is in an iron chest. Sometimes the chest is crystal or gold, depending on the folklore. And that's buried under a green oak tree, which is on the island of Buyan in the ocean. As long as his soul is safe, he cannot die. If the chest is dug up and open, the hare will bolt away. If the hare is killed, the duck will emerge and try and fly off. Anyone possessing the egg has Kashi in their power. He begins to weaken, become sick, and immediately loses the use of his magic. If the egg is tossed about, he likewise is flung around against his will. And if the needle is broken, Kashi will die. So that's in the original folklore. Anyway, the Baba Yaga approaches Perrin, and I love this comparison. We kind of see the lightning, and then we see Perrin's just drawing those lines in the sand, right? Oh, yeah, I was going to point that out, too. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that parallel. And the Baba Yaga says, I warned you, old man, I will tolerate no gods in my Russia other than me. And her army shoots Perrin down. Look how, um, if you look at it, like, you know, he's drawing the, uh, the lines in the sand, with a stick and all that and if you look at the picture where he's like the lightning's coming out of his spear it's like it's coming out of the tip it's yeah. oh yeah that's kind of like the same thing i love that it's really interesting i like these little details it's, no it's beautiful yeah absolutely <laughs> they put so much thought into all yeah. those little things yeah. yeah chapter four in the thrice nine lands in the thrice tenth kingdom a bird discovers that Perrin, king of the world is dead somewhere in england we cut to this church Someone has stabbed priests and dug under the altar. And that kind of reminds me of another day on the job, that short BPRD story where a guy has dug, he dug under an altar and found these bones and then he put them around his neck and he called up all these (laughs) zombies. Remember that one? And so they show this, uh, they show the, they zoom in on the altar and this relief on the altar was really familiar to me. I used to have like a really good working knowledge of art history and a lot of that is faded, but I think I've seen this exact relief before but i i couldn't find it is that um one of the stations of the cross or whatever i don't know um i found some similar images in the lamentation of christ by giotto di bondone and i also found a mosaic from the church of the holy sepulchre in jerusalem called christ after death that were pretty similar but i swear that there's one that looks exactly like this right where I, they're taking I, him down off the thing with yeah. the with the halos and everything yeah. um i it, it seems very familiar to me but i couldn't find it anyway i don't know grogosh is there and he leads these two goblins down these stairs and grogosh has this sledgehammer a few drops spilled he says after all this time shut away down here she'll be wanting rivers of it 
and they approach a giant sealed hole in the earth. It has like this kind of giant manhole cover on it. So fucking crazy looking. Yeah. But how to manage that thing here, one of the goblins says, with these arms and that sad hammer. Sad, Gragash says, Thor's is no greater, I swear. And he bashes it on the cover. I really like that line. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's again, it's another it's another guy that they they all know each other. Like, right. You think, hey, Thor's probably a real dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. In this. A giant emerges from within with long hair and blue eyes, and he tells them to take their mischief elsewhere. Gragash introduces himself. I'm Gragash of Lone Lean, and we're here on serious business. I have a letter here from the Witches of Britain. And the giant, I like how he puts on his, his little, little glasses. glasses. <laughs> oh, that, those glasses are so cute. Those little spectacles. And he reads the letter, and he weeps. I never thought the day would come, he says. The old woman have come to their senses. Release your prisoner, and then you are free. Then it will be great days for all of us, Gragash says. Dark days, I think, the giant says. Not so dark as this cave, brother. Not so dark as a grave. Not so dark as that. And they open up the hole, and they look inside. Is it bottomless, Gragash asks. No, but it's deep, the giant says. You want me to go down there and get her? You read the letter, Gragash says. She is what we need now. And it kind of focuses in on this blackness of this hole. Back with Hellboy and the Domovoy, the storm passes. This is going to be bad for you, the Domovoy tells Hellboy. And then just then, Kashi comes and kicks in the door. And what did you say? <laughs> oh, just... You said, very, here comes Lemmy. Here comes Lemmy. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, very... But it's kind of like Lobo meets Lemmy. I don't right. Know. And he goes right for Hellboy with the axe. And the action is just really great. I love the yeah. movement and the pacing of it. It's yeah. just really well done. Him swinging the axe and Hellboy ducking. It's just like, and there's some comedic moments. The Domovoy is all upset that his stu- his furniture is getting smashed. He's like, my table, my chair. Yeah, that's. I usually would kind of skip over whatever quote unquote action scenes right. or fight scenes because, and I'm not trying to diss any specific artist. Sometimes though, I'll be reading a book and it just looks like people are posing yeah and it kind of takes me right out of the store and i'm just like this isn't even part of the story for me like i'm just gonna skip like okay they had a fight blah 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 and it's boring like even in some movies so this isn't just like an artist specific thing even in some movies like whatever it's a fight scene i sort of zone out or whatever but this it looks like bodies moving right in bodies in motion this is he has such a a grasp on the way people move and it's it's very dynamic and it's um it had my attention the whole way through, which is yeah. it's rare for me. You can almost hear like the musical score rising up to yeah. this action beat. One of these days, I'll settle up with your boss, Hellboy says. But for now, and we get Right Hand of Doom, boom, number 20. All right. Awesome. But Kashi is determined. He tells Hellboy that he will win back his soul. And I love this action beat as Kashi slashes at Hellboy, and Hellboy blocks it with the Right Hand of Doom, and he pulls the sword away. He's like, give me that. I love that part. My turn, dumbass, and he stabs Kashi through. And it says punch as he as he <laughs> stabs him through. And this was the same sound effect when Hellboy stabbed Grenier, the werewolf, in yeah. Wolves of St. August. And he stabbed him the exact same way, too. It's almost the exact same shot. Well, I like how after he grabs the sword and he's like, give me that. And then it shows him with yeah. his... Uh, his left hand like he's drawing the sword out of his right hand oh yeah, yeah. that's awesome like they're not they're not just posing this is yeah. telling a story this is it's still storytelling like sometimes you'll see people take a break from storytelling to have a fight scene this is still storytelling and it's just so exciting to see 
it still tells a story about the relationship between these two people. Yeah. The way that they both fight is is something that really reminds me of like Zadoichi where like the every scene had a purpose, even the action ER fight right, scenes, yeah. quote unquote. Like everything had it was still storytelling. So this is very yeah. Anyway. I told you he can't die, the Domo voice says and Hellboy pulls the sword out of Kashi, and then he decapitates him. And we get one of the coolest moments in the series. I just love this. He Kashi catches his head. Before it even hits the ground, he puts it back on, and he just turns around and looks at Hellboy. So Damn, good. Kashi the Deathless, Hellboy says. So well done. This page is so good. It's one of my favorite beats in the whole comic. Yes. And it's just, uh, it's just so badass. It's so well done. And... I still love both of the characters. Like, I'm just, yes. Yeah. You know, you're cheering for both of them at this point. It's so good. But suddenly, a white light engulfs all. A little girl stands in the doorway, and she holds up a lighted skull on a staff. And she calls to Hellboy. Girl, Kashi says, you know who I serve, and she'll have your guts for. Shut up, Hellboy says, and he stabs Kashi through again. <laughs> Thank you, the little girl says. We had better go now. Better hurry. And I just love um, her little dress, her yeah. little outfit. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, um, it's really good. Is this little like uh, what little girls would wear in old timey Russia? I or, guess? or maybe like I have no idea. I don't know. I right. mean, we should definitely look that up. Or if you know anything about it, or if you, yeah, let us know about her is, dress. Yeah. yeah. And the Domovoy laughs at Kashi. Ha ha! Kashi the terrible, beaten by a little girl, pinned to the floor like a bug. And Hellboy and the little girl make their escape while he's uh, trapped there. And then Kashi, he pulls the sword out and he stands up. He looks behind at the Domovoy. You were saying something? And he goes, it wasn't me. <laughs> I also think that this says something about Kashi himself is that he takes a pause and he kind of just leaves. Yeah, goes, I like, love that little beat right and there. And you can tell the little guy is kind of afraid, but Kashi's not going to, he's not going to fuck with that guy. Right. I think that he, you know, he's, he's not there to do that. That keeps me on his yeah, a little bit. Well, at first, uh, as he's walking out, the horse is still looking at, in at him, and you see a little handle with him in mm. his face, and then next, and then he pulls out that arrow. I was like, "Oh shit, is he gonna fuck with him?" And then it turns the page, and it's like, "No, he's doesn't care about that." He's guy. doing something else, yeah. yeah, right. But he's all like, "I could, I could see him thinking, making him think that he might." Oh do something yeah, to him. well, yeah. he's you know he's yeah. he's kind of salty. He's so. an intimidating guy for yeah. real. And but you he, get the sense that he's not doing it because he wants to hurt people. He's doing it because he's like fucking cursed or some shit, right, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. And Kashi stares off into the distance with his bow and arrow. And the girl introduces herself as Vasilisa to Hellboy. Hellboy says her name's nice. My mother gave it to me, but she died. Then our father married another woman who had daughters of her own. And for some reason, they all were very cruel to me. I don't know why. I always tried to be good. And Hellboy's like, I'm sorry. It's all right, she says. My mother, my real mother, left me a doll. And so long as I remembered to feed her, she would help me with my chores. So the woman would have no cause to beat me. The woman became very frustrated. Finally, she sent me to the Baba Yaga's house to borrow fire for our stove. And we see a young version of the Baba Yaga. Yeah. She thought that would be the end of me, but I had my doll to help me, and I was not too curious about the things there I saw. And finally, she let me go. She let me take this skull full of fire from her fence, and when I got home, it burned up the woman and her daughters, and Hellboy's like, yikes. Yeah. It's all right, the little girl says, and now look at this. I can use her gift to show you how to get away from her. Isn't that funny? And Hellboy's like, that is pretty funny. Yeah. 
This is a cute little panel. And she shines a light on this shaft. So there's a shaft in the thrice nine lands in the thrice tenth kingdom yeah. that will lead Hellboy back to where he was in England. It's it's, it's again it's a very um I love Duncan Figueroa's work, and he's a yeah. he's a master in his own right. But this is a little bit Mignola esque, just insofar as we've seen both artists use similar methods to reach the same. It's it's a, it's simple, but it's yeah, not. I you love can, that. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that it takes it takes a masterful hand to create a panel like this, but it seems simple in its simplicity as its beauty. Like you get the um, and of course Dave Stewart coming in here in this panel with the where you see the little passageway yeah it's very um i love the little shape that the light makes on yeah. this panel before it's very mignola-esque i guess as she's holding up that skull yeah, yeah. and yeah and obviously we make the connection to baba yaga and all her lighted skulls it's one of the same ones that yeah. we've seen the baba yaga and i love have. that it's even she she gave her part of the fence post that the skull right, was on yeah. like it's very <laughs> it's very artifact driven again it, it it plays on a lot of really um Solid archetypes. Yeah. Well, Vasilisa the Beautiful is from Slavic folklore. Yeah. In the original folklore, upon her return, Vasilisa found out that since sending her out on the task, the step family had been unable to light any candles or fire in their home. Even lamps and candles that might have brought in from outside were useless for this purpose, as they were all snuffed out the second they were carried over the threshold. Hmm. The coals brought in from the Skull Lantern burned Vasilisa's stepmother and stepsisters to ashes. And Vasilisa buried the skull according to its instructions so no person would ever be harmed by it. And later, Vasilisa became an assistant to a maker of cloth in Russia's capital city. And she became so skilled at her work that the Tsar noticed her and married her. Huh. So that's how the original folklore ends. So uh, when I first started reading this and like I was reading her story, the first thing it made me think of was like Cinderella a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, you know... Uh, uh, where right. the mom, you know, the mom dies and he remarries and has the evil stepsister. But then, plot twist: instead of a fairy godmother, we get a Baba Yaga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And a much more satisfying ending. Yeah. That is good. I like that. Uh, but then it also made me wonder: it was just like because uh, you just said it was from a folk tale. Are there any connections between the stories? Uh, hmm. Did one morph into the other one? I don't I'm know. Wondering. I wonder. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if one took influence from the other. Yeah. Or, you know, we're seeing the American version of that in Cinderella, sure. that the Slavic well, and I, version I is I even Vasilisa. wonder if, like, the Cinderella part, like, the cinder part was initially referred to, they all got burned to cinders. Yeah, yeah. Or, well. <laughs> I don't know. That would be great. They should do a Disney version of that. I want to see a live-action Disney oh, version no, of that. Oh, no, I'm so done with Disney taking... <laughs> all this folklore and then like copywriting it and making some bullshit story out of it. So we're deaf so well, done with it. Uh, so Vasilisa, she shows Hellboy the shaft. And just as this is happening, Kashi is pulling his bow. And as she points to the door that will lead Hellboy home, she gets stabbed by an arrow and Hellboy catches her. And he's like, Oh crap. Oh kid. No, come on. And she's like, it's all right. It doesn't, and then Baba Yaga, she's all speaking, all this is happening yeah. in the at the same time. She's watching her stories over here. Yeah, and Baba Yaga's <laughs> like, hurt, but it does hurt you, Hellboy. Oh, tell me it does. And Hellboy also gets stabbed by a bunch of arrows as Kashi rides up on his horse. I want it to hurt, the Baba Yaga says. I want you to suffer. You See, owe is, me that. This is the kind of narrative voice that I can really get into because... This action is so well done. It's so it's it's the pacing. When I was reading this, I could not turn the yeah. pages fast enough. I was I could not. 
You know what I mean? I and just it, wanted to absorb all of it. And it's like you've got Kashi, you've got Hellboy and the Girl, and you've got the Baba Yaga. It's all happening at the same time. Yeah. And it just works so well. Yeah. It's just the, the pacing and the art direction are really well done. I couldn't put it down. And Hellboy, he cradles Vasilisa as she bleeds out. He tells her to hang on. And she says again, it's all right. Now you know the way. Hellboy, you can go home. I had my doll with me all the days of my life. And when I was old and gray and dying in my bed, she came to me. She gave me these two presents, and now I give them to you. And she puts some items in Hellboy's right hand of doom. And I just love that shot of the little hand yeah. um, in this giant stone monster hand. Yeah. And then she falls back dead. And we see the items she gave Hellboy are a little comb and a handkerchief. Really, really well done. Panel. Really and as cool. Hellboy looks at her dead body, she's the doll. So when she said um, that the doll came to her as she was dying, did her human body die and she lived on in the doll or something sure. like that, right? Yeah. Is and that what that's saying? So so we were wondering Jeez. about her um, her clothing earlier. It's the doll is a traditional little... Yeah. It's a cultural like artifact. It's a, Right, right. You know, the doll, it's like nesting dolls or something like that. They have a very specific cultural look to them. And so this, this doll... The thing where it cuts from her face to the doll is such an effective yeah. little moment there. Yeah, and Hellboy is really upset by this. You, this panel right here before it shows the doll of him just looking down. Yeah, he's a real fucking You know, man. he looks like he's really upset. And he goes, son of a bitch. Now, Hellboy, I'll have payment for my eye, the Baba Yaga says. Chapter 5. At the World Tree Yggdrasil... A squirrel says, I smell smoke and I see red fire. It must be Ragnarok, for Vasilo the Beautiful is, and before it can say dead, an arrow gets the squirrel too. And we see this black figure in the back that says dead. So I'll go ahead and say this now. I was trying to figure out who this black figure was because mm-hmm. I know who everybody else is. And I was like, who is that? And I was trying to, I couldn't find any reference. And so I said, I know, I'll ask Jerry Turnbull, because Jerry knows everything. And if there's anyone who knows, it'll be him. So I ask him, and he's like, oh, I'm not really sure that character's never named. But there's a, in the back of the sketchbook, it says Dead Russian Nobles, and it has oh. a, a sketch that kind of looks like this. Interesting. And then, so, this was late last night, and I went to bed. And then this morning, I woke up, and I had another message from Jerry. I don't know what the time difference is. But he goes, I asked Duncan... Oh man! So he oh, just he just he messaged just, like, Duncan. Straight up, <laughs> he just straight up asked Duncan Figredo about it. That's and so Duncan said it's a power move. Just a Russian representation of death, or in Baba Yaga's Russia, at least. Cool. That's so, awesome. So yeah, um, it's really nice to have people in the know in our community. It's so nice to have this connection of people who can help us out with this information. So that was super cool. Yeah, thanks that for taking awesome. the time Thank to you. let us know and. Um, I kind of got. I gotta say, I kind of like this. For he's he's a little cool. He's a little more stylish than just like the tattered hood. Right. It's a little more yeah. interesting, right? Like it's it's visually, it's a little more interesting. He's like, I may be death, but I'm not gonna dress like sure. death. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, something interesting that I looked up. All these things in Baba Yaga's world have been Slavic or Poland folklore. Yeah. And so I looked up what is the what is the Grim Reaper in Slavic culture, and it says. It's very similar to the traditional Grim Reaper, but instead of a black robe, it has a white robe. Oh. And due to grammar, it's a female, mostly seen as an old skeletal woman. Hmm. 
Interesting. It's very similar to the devil or other dark powers. One popular saying about this version of the Grim Reaper is, death is not choosing a time, place, or years, which means that she is destiny. And that kind of, when you were earlier, you were talking about this disparity of time and all this kind of stuff. It made me think about this little bit of trivia that I was going to come back that to. That is so cool. I love how much we end up learning about other cultures and stuff that yeah. we just were never <laughs> yeah. exposed to for whatever reason. I think that's really fantastic. That's awesome. The Baba asked for quiet and to listen. And so... The little skulls. Hellboy, yeah. And Hellboy and Kashi are talking. Hellboy, Kashi says, I was wrong to call you devil. You're as good a man as I was in my day, but you cannot win this. You know I can't die. Stretch out your neck and we'll make quick work of it. Rob the Baba Yaga of her sport. Well, speak. Hellboy just doesn't say anything. He's like, stretch out your neck. We'll just go ahead and chop it off. Right. (laughs) It'll be quick. Over quick. Yeah, we'll we'll just get this over with. But I like that he's he's evaluating Hellboy's behavior and he's saying, okay, well, you seem like you actually care about people. Right, yeah. yeah. And so, like, Kashi just wants to die. And he's he'll do anything to do it. Like he's in a lot of right. pain and whatever he and so I think that that's it's just a very interesting dynamic here. And Hellboy goes, "I've got something for you. Special delivery from the kid." And he dramatically throws the comb over, <laughs> and it just bounces off Kashi's head. I just love that little beat right there. It's like yeah. um, it's very humorous. And Kashi thinks that means that they're gonna fight. He's like, "Ha, good." Like warriors then, and Perrin favor the, and as the comb falls to the ground, it kind of springs up all these trees. And again, to get this kind of, I don't know, almost animation to convey this movement, um, Duncan does a really good job. It's, I mean, it's incredible. Didn't see that coming, Hellboy says, and I think none of us saw this coming either. We see Kashi just impaled on all these trees. and I mean, how would you describe this? Like the trees sprung out of the ground so fast that they just stabbed him. Yeah. Right? I think that's the best way to describe it. He's yeah. impaled on a bunch of trees. Well, they're growing and they grow through him yeah. so fast that, yeah, that stabs him. And then I'm so interested in the magic of this place. Right. I'm so yeah. interested yeah. in like everything here is and art as a magical artifact and it has so much power in this you know the scene where the trees stretch up into the night sky with all the the movement of the i guess the vapor or the smoke or whatever right, it is. like it's all the dirt i guess being yeah. as all those trees sprang up it's yeah. just an incredible shot yeah it's really and koku's like ooh, <laughs> and hellboy's like holy crap and the death figure admonishes baba yaga I told you, you should have given that girl to me all those years ago, but no, you rewarded her. You let her go. See now how it costs you. Well, knowing that it's a death figure makes that scene make a lot more sense. Yeah, it really does. And Baba Yaga says that Hellboy would not escape. The witches of the earth have given him to me, and even with one eye, I can see what he cannot. The world of men is finished with him. There is no place for him to go. He's mine. Hmm. In England with Gragash, the giant brings up a sealed box. I would have left her down there forever, but I am bound to serve the witches, he says. They thought she would be bigger. Gragash says she was. Too big, the giant says. They were so afraid of her that they cut her into pieces and scattered her to the far parts of the land, but she would not be separated for long. Many times her pieces found each other, till finally they were gathered up and put into this box and hidden here. Now she's yours, and I'm done with it. 
Done, Gragosh says. Now, brother, you're free. Free to climb down into this hole and none to say otherwise. Goodbye, the giant says. No, come with us. I think not, the giant says. I am old Gragosh of Lonelean. Maybe you've forgotten, but I remember. And I've no desire to see those times come again. And we get this awesome shot of just like, it's just red. Yeah. It's yeah. just red and it's just violence. Just, and you just, yeah. you know, you know something bad is coming. Just all this like war. And again, on the next page, we have another panel of just a red blood-soaked battlefield. The giant says, I'll have none of it. You're a stupid old beast, Garagosh says. And you're weak, but others will come when she calls. They'll come. And the giant says, more is the pity. And he just closes himself up into that hole. Wow. And the, just the finality of this last scene, that he's just going to be down there forever, yeah. closed off to the world. He would prefer that rather than to see what we're going to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I like so much about the storytelling in, in this series is that nothing happens without a reason everything drives the story absolutely everything drives the story and this the interaction between these characters is important all of it is and so what's important about this to me is that he would ra- the fact that he would rather close himself up in in there than face whatever's coming is it's intense it's intense yeah i also like you know, i also like how it says like you know he's been down there for we can say centuries, I would assume. Yeah, sure. Just making sure the remains don't get found. But he's come to enjoy that peace and yeah. solitude and doesn't want any more of that death and destruction yeah. and the blood. Yeah. I don't blame you. Oh, shit. I'm going to go sit in my hole. <laughs> <laughs> I want a hole. Wait. Down in a hole? Yeah. As Garagosh and his two little friends, they take the box out. They talk about how they're going to be rewarded. They're going to be rewarded by becoming princes and having swords and armies. And they see this little bird, and this bird chirps at them. And you, Garagosh says to the bird, best tell your mistress to choose which side she's on, for our new queen is here. And so at the end of the island, we saw a, we saw a scene with Garagosh talking to this old woman. And the little bird was there, and it told them Hellboy was coming home. So Garagosh is t- so the bird, uh, the bird's mistress. I'm assuming is this old woman that they that was talking yeah. to Garagosh at the end of the island. All this foreshadowing is so fucking. And then we cut to the elsewhere, and we saw these figures back in Wake the Devil with Baba Yaga watching Hellboy break his horns, and it's King Dagda and one of the Doinashi, and they're surrounded by all the fairies. And the Doinashi asks Dagda, how bad is it going to be? And Dagda says, we will not survive it. And we have all these other mood shots. I love how everybody's watching. Like, everybody's focused on this. We It, it just really sets it up really well. And I didn't talk about this when we learned that his name was Dagda, but the Dagda is an important god in Irish mythology. One of the Tua de Danan. The Dagda is portrayed as a father figure, chieftain, and druid. He is associated with fertility, agriculture, manliness, and strength, as well as magic, druidity, and wisdom. He is said to have control over life and death, the weather and crops, as well as time and the seasons. Hellboy looks back at Kashi, tangled up in all the trees. Poor bastard, you had it coming for what you did to that kid, but geez. And Baba Yaga, wherever the hell you are... You want me, you better come and get me yourself, but you better hurry. And at the world tree, Baba Yaga asks for Kashi's soul. 
and we see all the dead Russian nobles watching along. And they remind us of everything that we learned in chapter three, but I like we get a little picture of the duck and the rabbit and the egg and all that. He suffers, but he cannot die. And all of it's in the goat. We see one of these dead skeleton guys bringing the goat. I would love to see some nesting dolls where the inside one is a little egg. And then oh, it's a duck, yeah. and then it's a, a rabbit, and then it's a goat. That would be great. Would be Someone cool. needs to. I wonder. If and then the outside could be a co- Akashi. The, out- <laughs> <laughs> the outer, the outermost doll could just be a big Kashi doll. Let's get let's get a skeleton crew on that. Sure. And uh, <laughs> for no reason, just make it because we want it. Oh. But this scene is like very ceremonial. The way that it's yeah, set up yeah, as we're yeah, bringing yeah. this goat, you can almost feel the quiet oh. and. It's just very kind of grand as they're all watching as the Baba Yaga, she breathes this life into the goat, right? Yes. Well, like you were saying earlier, you can hear the score. Like as soon as she says, bring me Kashi's soul. Yeah. I couldn't imagine this very dramatic score happening for sure. And when she breathes into the goat, back with Hellboy, Kashi glows and burns through the trees and he screams out in agony. Like the little drool coming from her mouth as she yeah. has her mouth on the goat and all that. Just all these little details is just very, um, it's very cinematic. The Baba Yaga hushes Kashi. Well, and you, the goat the goat looks like one of those skulls, all the light. Yeah, all the lights are coming out of its eyes and its mouth. Kashi, you have never failed me, never. You were great. Take this, my breath, my power, and be greater. Accomplish my revenge. Get me his head or at least his eye. And with that, I'll look into hell beyond the roots of the world tree into all the secret places to learn the secret workings of all things. And as she's saying this... We got two We got two separate booms here. Yeah, as she's saying this, Hellboy's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me as Kashi comes crashing down. And Kashi gets a boom on Hellboy. Yeah. Um, he, he gets a boom on Hellboy. That's the last one you get, pal, Hellboy says. And he booms right back, and we get right hand of doom boom 21 wait, on wait, episode wait, wait. There 21. Was another one. Wait. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. 21. That's right? 21. And this is episode 21, so I thought that was great. And then now we're on 22. And then we get 22 awesome. when he says, that's the last one for you, pal. Yeah. Thank you on that. I've got my numbers <laughs> off. Um, and he punches Kashi aside. And then he gets on this giant boulder, and he's, like, trying to push this boulder down on Kashi. Baba Yaga, witch, no more, Kashi pleads. Let me go. And we really get the sense that this is excruciating. Yeah. We really get the sense that it's excruciating for him. There's, like, that weird sympathy to the villain. We've talked about this a bunch of times where you kind of, like, yeah. Now I'm not feel. I don't feel that he's a villain. I think she's, now I'm like, okay, Baba Yaga really is kind of a dick here. Right. She's being a jerk. I wish she would just let this guy go kind of a thing you know so now i'm whereas before i was like oh no baba yaga she's just a four no she's kind of a she's kind of a jerk so i I like this kashi guy i want him to i don't i don't feel like he's i feel like he's caught in this thing that he doesn't even want to be doing and we get baba yaga she's got this grudge over the eye yeah man you know and just like gragash has this grudge over the pig body and burning him with iron she would rather let this destroy her just like Gragosh. Yeah. That's kind of a, there's a lot of foreshadowing. It's a very classic tragedy. No, my love, the Baba Yaga says, until you've done this thing, you belong to me. Body, sword, and soul. And Hellboy crushes Kashi with a boulder. We done? Good. I'm going home. What home, the Baba Yaga says. It's like she's on loudspeaker in the Thrice Nine Lands, like she can just tie everybody's hearing her. (laughs) And she's like, not there. 
not anymore. We see that that house that Hellboy was in in England, and it's there's witches all around it and inside it. This is your only home now, with enemies who will never tire, can never be killed. The only escape for you is death. And Kashi emerges from the rubble, and he's just like this flaming giant, right? And Hellboy's like, no, son of a... Chapter, Chapter six. six. And we open on Baba Yaga's skulls. All their lights are going out. The Baba Yaga has put the light of 10,000 spirits into Kashi to fight Hellboy. Wow. What a beautiful and terrible thing he is. And the art and the colors on this are really ramping things up, too. Yeah, man. Dave Stewart. Hellboy took my eye, and I lost my place in the waking world, the Baba Yaga says as they fight. I live now in a dream, my dream of Russia long forgotten. Make my dream his nightmare till he pays what he owes. Then maybe we will both be free. So, yeah, so that's why she has this grudge, right? Because she's trapped from the waking world because of what Hellboy did. Well, and she she thinks that this is, maybe she'll be free from her rage too she thinks that this is gonna fix right everything yeah. all at once and i think that that's something that a lot of really good villains feel is that they feel like well when i can set this right then then it'll be everything will be good again but i think that you know obviously she's as we as we can all see she's just digging herself up deeper fucking hole yeah yeah two of the stupid goddamn skeleton army bastards watch the fight and one of them calls Kashi a good captain. <laughs> I was with him at the bottle of Chernigov, and this is a historic city in the Ukraine, and on the road to Kiev where he shot the Nightingale. Maybe we'll see that story someday. Hey. The other also fought with Kashi when he went into the Sorochinsk Mountains to kill dragons. It's sad to see him now, hollow puppet for a witch. And Sorochinsk is a town in Russia. Kashi tells Hellboy that death is a gift. He prays to see it. Take it. And Hellboy gives another right hand of doom. Boom. Now we're at 23. Oh, wow. Is that right? 22 yeah. or 23? That's 23. Yeah. You killed that kid. God damn it, Hellboy says. I did, Kashi says, a thousand years ago and have been made to do it a dozen times since. That's my curse. Oh, wow. And then we get right hand of doom. Boom. 24. Kashi says that the Baba Yaga's power is failing. Now is the time for Hellboy to escape. Shut up, Hellboy says, and we get right hand of Doom Boom 25. Okay. Anyway, suffice to say, Kashi's really getting his ass beat at this point, right? <laughs> but what? he's he's telling him, he's like, you can escape, you should do it now. And he's, you know. Yeah, and Hellboy just keeps punching him. He's Hellboy here is so upset about the little girl getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. He, he can't stop. With the Baba Yaga, Kaku says, that's the end of it. No, the Baba Yaga says, a spark remains from the heart of me. And Kashi rises up here really huge. I love this yeah. also. He's like, Hellboy, he's got horns and he's even bigger. Now you're just being stupid. Lady, leave the poor bastard alone, Hellboy says. You want me? Get off your lazy wooden ass and come here. I'll poke your other eye out and beat you to death with a rock. How'd you like that, huh? <laughs> Jeez. Come on. What are you waiting for? And she's back, out of lights. Yeah, with, with Baba Yaga, everything's in darkness, right? All of her chicken leg house is out of lights. Her tree is out of lights. There is nothing left, the death figure says. Baba Yaga, even the lights in your house have gone out, and you have nothing to relight them. And Baba Yaga starts to take the acorn oh, from around man. her neck. There is something, not quite a spark, a crumb, a scrap, 
And so what's in that acorn? Do you remember? Rasputin. Uh, it's the last Rasputin. little shred of Rasputin. And Kalku just takes it, snatches it out of her hand. No, not that. Not him. And Kalku drops it into fire. Yeah, man, he throws yeah, it. Yeah, that's a very cool little moment. Oh. Kashi, he's kind of speaking through Baba Yaga, or Baba Yaga's speaking through him. Rasputin, he says. What? What did you say? Hellboy says, don't even get me started on that guy. <laughs> I love that. Kashi seems defeated down here on the ground, and Hellboy needs a drink, walking away. Man. The Baba Yaga whispers to Kashi, your soul still belongs to me. Lying hag, Kashi says on the ground, I know you will never let go of me. Strike him dead, she says. I'll strike, Kashi agrees, but this last blow, I strike for myself. He unsheathes his knife and throws it at Hellboy, stabbing him in the back. Kashi the Deathless, he says. And Hellboy drops the handkerchief that Vasilisa gave him. And as it drops, it turns into a river of water. The page where it transforms there is just so... Yeah, I really love that. I love that transition. And so the comb was trees and the handkerchief was water. I like how they're, you know, organic things or... It's amazing. No, it's very... It's shades of, you know, stories that people would tell. Right, yeah. Like, this is how thunder happens and this is why volcanoes happen and it's you know different cultures have their different stories about that and so that's different this, versions yeah, of this, it yeah that's so and this so version. holds up the sky and that's how night and day happen and so it's um it's just very beautiful the way that he the very tip of the flowing handkerchief yeah touches the, and then it's just this very powerful raging suddenly it's a river Anyway. And and I love this shot where it's super pulled back and you can see that river yeah. coming down the mountain and Kashi is set adrift by all the water and you see it taking out all the flames too from where Kashi burned all those trees that had sprung up. Yeah. Well, it looks like an ocean at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the same. <laughs> With the Baba Yaga. Now, finally, you understand, the death figure says to her, Hellboy is as deathless as Kashi. The eye you want cannot be taken. It must be given, and the goat runs off. That's a very important little tidbit there yeah. that we're given. What's that? That's That yeah. kind of ramps it, this whole thing up a little bit. And to go even further, and as far as he's come, and as much as he's suffered, he's not ready. Not yet. Damn. <laughs> Hellboy returns through the shaft, and all the witches are gone. He finds the broken Hellboy idol when he said war, and it kind of exploded. He finds that on the ground, and he sees the ghost of Vasilisa behind him, and he just lights a cigarette and walks out. Look, he still has the arrows embedded in him and the knife. He's just yeah. like, oh. yeah, he just tosses the yeah. the match or whatever. It like, gives nothing. us another example that we've seen before. Like all this fucked up. We've even commented on it. All this fucked yeah. up shit happens to him. He's getting stabbed, and he's getting. Does he have a little more? you know power than other people like what is his whole deal and so now they're giving us his deal yeah that's well and it's also like you know it's smart to keep those in until you can get proper medical attention because if you pull them out they'll just start gushing blood (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but he's so chill about it you've been waiting long he says you want to finish what you started and we see that it's henry hood i was like i forgot about that guy he's still outside and he walks towards hellboy finish it he whispers And the bird watches this also. Hellboy says, fine by me, pal. Why don't you? And Henry Hood says, finish it. And he just collapses. The the coins fall from his eyes. And his sword sticks in the ground. That was easy, Hellboy says. 
And he looks at the sword, and it says Igor Bromhead on it. Oh. Damn. So Henry Hood is telling Hellboy to finish Bromhead. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so just like um, we know that the name has, gives you power over that person, now Hellboy has a tool that he can use to kill Bromhead. Sure. That's why he says finish it. 42 hours later, near Luca, Italy, Hellboy is led by locals to a lake. Bromhead, Hellboy asks, that you down there? And there's this rumble, and this large, deformed snake Bromhead emerges. And Hellboy's like, whoa, how many sheep did you eat? And Bromhead's just like, I swallowed the moon, and oh, it hurts, it hurts. Hellboy, kill me. And those same birds that told him to do it are there. They're like, no, leave him, leave him to his fate. And Bromhead just cries. He's like, please, send me to hell. And Hellboy's like, you're ready? And he just stabs him. I like the little splut (laughs) as he stabs him. And we just see this giant, his crazy giant bloated reptile body is just crazy looking. And as he collapses, he turns back into regular Bromhead and he tells Hellboy, I will see you there. I see you there already, seated on a dragon at the head of your army. When you see me there, remember. And we get this awesome Beast of the Apocalypse version of Hellboy from Duncan Figredo. And Hellboy just gives one of his signature responses. Shut up. Shut up. That's great. That's a I that's see, this is where the Ron Perlman jumps out for yeah. me. Is these little yeah. last scenes where he's talking to the skeleton and he's talking to um Bromhead and all that's where yeah. the, that's where the he's got a very powerful voice. I can I can hear it in my head. And this Duncan Fregredo, like you were saying, this his depiction of the yeah. apocalypse hell boy in hell yeah with the horns and the sword and he's on a dragon and all the army behind him and the you know dave stewart's colors i mean that's that's another print right, to yeah. Me right oh yeah. yeah i would i would be uh i would like that print <laughs> on our little ending here with gragosh and king dagda gragosh brings up the box do not try to stop me old man i feel sorry for this guy so yeah. i just really i i don't it feels like something bad's going to yeah. come for this dude, and I just don't want it to happen. Kind of reminds us of Pope a little bit, all, all that summoning the black flame and all that, getting into stuff that's over his head. And it's the whole hubris and the yeah. downfall yeah. of the hubris, and it's just... And Dogda's there to try to reason with him. You do not realize the evil you would loose upon the world, he says. And Gragash says, evil, Dogda, what is evil? It's a word. You would have us give up our green fields. You would have us follow you into the dark. No, too late, he tells Dagda. And Dagda says, it cannot be too late. Trust me, my son. We must not. And then all of a sudden, Dagda gets stabbed in the back by one of Gragash's henchmen. Are you deaf, old man? He said, too late. And the other guy's like, what did you do? And he's like, I only... And then we see the gold blood of Dagda on the knife. And he realizes what he's done. He starts crying. And we see this old lady again. So this is the this yeah. is the old lady that we saw at the end of the island talking with Gragash. And they all just look on, so, totally stunned by what's happened. Yeah. And the little guy's like, ah, what have I done? Dogda, my king. And he commits suicide. Wow. He kills himself um, because he accidentally killed Dogda. And it's with very all intense, it's really getting intense. Right, and with all the crowd there, Gragash addresses them. Your king is dead. We will mourn him, for he was great, but he had become a king for dust, and we choose to live. And what's wanted now is a queen of blood. And from the box, my days come at last, and woe unto man. 
The end. I heard that last line. Yeah. I heard that in my bones. I don't like. <laughs> I know that the speech bubble is not. Right. Know, like, sometimes they look different, and they have this very stylized. In my head, I heard it very like layered, yeah. like a kind of a, you know, like the. I don't know what's a good example of that. I was thinking of when um, Galadriel turns Galadri- into that sure. evil Galadriel yeah. on Lord of yeah. the Rings, and she's like it's a super powerful. One thousand, yeah. <laughs> or I don't know. What did she say? Uh, <laughs> in place of a uh, place of a dark lord, you'd have a you'd queen. have a queen. Yeah, it's, yeah. Love, uh, like beauty and love, beautiful and terrible as the something. As, I don't know. Yeah, All I love that love part. Me and, and despair. Me. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That's a good part. So, yeah. So, and what I love about this Hellboy story, too, is just like when we read Garden of Souls last week, it was referencing all the other BPRD stories. This is really referencing everything, too. It's referencing Wake the Devil. Yeah. It's referencing um, everything that happened in the island. And we're going to get a little bit more of that here because we have Epilogue 1. So, the comic ended with this thing with Gragas. <laughs> I turned the page and I was like, oh, man. And then, and oh, you were so mad that that was the end of well, it, right? I wasn't mad. I was just like, God, oh, it cuts to a different it thing. It leaves you on the cliffhanger, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But these epilogues, they were new to me when the trade came out, so I was really excited to read them. And I was really excited to see Duncan do the BPRD. Yeah. What did you guys oh, think yeah. about this? Super good. I was like, ooh, exciting. Yes. And we've been reading so much BPRD lately, so it felt very good to come back to these characters. You're like, oh, wow, here we are at the BPRD headquarters in Colorado. And Kate says, I'll be damned. It's a letter from Hellboy. And Liz is like, you're kidding. It's almost a month old, Kate says. He sent it to Connecticut. Remember when Remember yeah, when they yeah. were in Fairfield, Connecticut yeah. in the Falling Water building? Ah, those were the days. <laughs> Liz says, that's right. He doesn't know about this place. He doesn't know anything about Daimyo, the frogs. Oh, God. He doesn't know about Roger. Listen to this, Kate says. He's gone six years, and this is all he writes. Africa was good. Ran into some trouble. But I am back in England now, staying with Harry Middleton till I... And Abe interrupts. He means staying at Middleton's house. And Kate's like, I don't know what he means. He says staying with Harry Middleton. That's funny, Abe says. He was a friend of Hellboy's and Professor Broom's. I think he and the professor went to school together. I know the three of them spent a lot of time together back in the 50s. Abe, what do you mean he was a friend, Kate asks. Harry Middleton died in 1984. I remember Hellboy and the professor went to England for the funeral. They both took it pretty hard. And we see that house that Hellboy was at, that he was staying at, and it's all old and, you know, needing a good cleaning like we were talking about. (laughs) And it, we just um, pan through the house. We see that it's totally empty. It's been that way for a long time. And we see those shot glasses from where Hellboy was drinking. Oh, I don't like the sound of this, Kate says. And I love this panel with Kate. I just yeah. love that expression yeah. on her face. And then we turn to epilogue two. Ah. Oh, no. They did it again. Just like at the end of the Universal Machine, oh, we get some extra Mignola art. What do you guys think of seeing that? Yes. Oh, awesome. So Always exciting. awesome. And so this is a really important scene. I really was excited to read this. We're at Hecate's tomb. And she says, is that you, Edward Gray? Come to mock at your queen or set her free. And so we see this hooded figure. And we've seen him so many times in the elsewhere. Right. And we didn't know who he was. Now we know that he's Edward Gray. And Sir Edward Gray was also referenced in Wake the Devil by Kate as somebody who saved the queen. Edward Gray says, you were never my queen. You have walked in my shadow a long time, Edward Gray, she says. I thought perhaps we would talk. 
Edward Gray says, it occurs to me that Hecate's history has been written by her enemies. Mm. And Hecate says, ah, and you would have her story from her own lips. And I like how the Iron Maiden's kind of, it's it's coming from the Iron Maiden. Yeah. What good are secrets now, Edward Gray says. Tell me then. What do they say, these enemies of mine, Hecate asks. That you were born out of the shadow of the moon, but delivered out of the belly of a wolf. That you lived at the top of Mount Eos, attended only by birds of prey and serpents. That you drank only blood, but your appearance was like that of any other woman, only more beautiful. It's like, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that day you went to Gerinium, capital city of Hyperborea, where you seduced its king, destroyed him, and brought that great empire to ruin. And so remember at the island, they said that Thoth was uh, corrupted by the black goddess. Yeah. They say that, Hecate says in her snake form. And what do they say of that king Thoth? Do they remember him at all? Do they tell that he had a secret garden and what he kept there? Three angels, watchers cast down and abandoned by their creator for their crimes of pride and murder. From these angels, he learned all the knowledge of the universe and all the words, signs, and devices of power. And all this knowledge he recorded in 42 books, but only two of these books he shared with the people. All the rest he kept secret. I seduced him, and when he slept, I stole the key to the garden, and I went there, and I killed those angels and drank their blood. Jeez. So we didn't get this in the island. Yeah. He had watchers that he, the watchers from the beginning of the creation of the universe, he had some of them in yeah. his garden, and he would go down there and talk to them. And you know, I'm just freaking out reading this, because that that's my favorite shit. So I'm like, more watchers, oh, yeah. what else yeah. is happening? So fucking cool. Then I went into Thoth's temple and vomited that blood out. I painted the walls of that place with all the knowledge he would have kept secret. Awesome. And then I called to his people. I said, any who wish to know these things should come here and learn them. And we see Hecate addressing all the people. This is a really amazing panel. I love all the yeah. little sigil work in the background. And we get the black goddess again. So we had wondered... If Heka Emin Ra, the Black Goddess, Hecate were all the same thing, and so I think this is kind of confirming all that for and us. And I, I think some um, listener feedback, a, a couple of people, or yeah. someone, someone had said that. I, I apologize for not remembering who had talked about that. But I, think I think it was think... Mark Tweedo. Okay. And Case, I think, also talked about yeah. that. And Edward Gray says, and those men who answered, didn't they become the later kings and priests of Hyperborea? Didn't they make idols to you in which they burned children alive? Weren't they the same men who poisoned the land and the air, brought earthquakes, famine, and plague, so that in a thousand years nothing of Hyperborea would remain? And Hecate says, I came into this world to set men free. I gave them that knowledge. What they choose to do with it, that's for men to decide. Mm. Eventually Thoth woke and found you in his temple, Edward Gray says. Yes. He cursed you so that your body was half changed to reflect your true nature. And you were driven out of that city. And Hecate says, I had accomplished what I went there to do. And Edward Gray says, you could no longer stand the light of day. And Hecate says, and she's from within the wall where she's still being um, taken down by the yeah. skeleton of Jurescu. I just love seeing Mignola's version of that. So I've become a darkness of the dark. And my temples have been in caves under all the great cities on earth. I have drunk more blood out of gold cups than brass. You've given birth to any number of horrors, Edward Gray says. True, Hecate says. You would say I have done evil, but you cannot judge me. You think as men think. And what I am is beyond the comprehension of man. Whatever you are, Gray says, you are finished now. Till the last day, Hecate says, I will sleep till he calls me. 
he, you know. And we see Hellboy. So remember, she's told Hellboy on more than once that she'll be with him on the last day. Yeah. I like how it's cutting between, like you said, the snake spirit and then the skeleton. And it's. Yeah. Right. It's and really the good. Iron Maiden yeah. and everything is, they're all speaking with Hecate's voice. And we get an image of Hellboy and Garagosh. We know this war is brewing between these two sides. However, this war ends, he will be lost, Hecate says. It will be for you to find him, and you will. And true to his nature, he will be both your salvation and your destruction. Before you are finally allowed to die, you will suffer as few men have ever suffered. You will learn to do evil to accomplish good. This is not my curse upon you, Edward Gray. It is simply what will happen. I hope you bear it well. Goodbye. And we just close on Hecate's tomb. And that's just really just the folklore dump, the knowledge dump. You're just like, oh, my God. Like at the very end of it, you get all this stuff that's relating back to the island and everything. I'm, it's just yeah, really great. And I'm it sets us up for up. some awesome stuff down the line. For sure. So that's really exciting. So we'll be back next week with another episode. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. So share us your thoughts on Hellboy Darkness Calls. Send us your feedback at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. You can join us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. Also, check out our friends at mignolaverse.com. You can find the podcast at Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Witchfinder. Woohoo! Uh, the burial of Catherine Baker, murderous intent, and in the service of angels. So pull out your back issues, your trades, your omnibuses, go to the library, use the library app, just grab some issues and, and join us along next time in the Hellboy Book Club. Thanks a lot, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, stupid goddamn skeleton army bastards. <laughs> <laughs>